This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you tonight. And guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. Uh, So once again, enjoy that on us, freetalklive.com. Dot com. we got to start things out here with the phone calls because it is the show about your calls. But, Guard, I know on the way there have been some Supreme Court decisions that you want to uh, clue us in on, and uh, apparently they're pretty relevant. Indeed. So Thanks we'll very much. The, we will get to those. Uh, but first, we've got to go to Brian in Colorado on the amplifier line. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. Hey, Guard. Uh, good to meet you in, uh, at the Liberty Forum. Uh, that was a great time, Brian. Glad you could be there. So much fun. Yeah. These guys did a great job up there. I hope people will come up next year. Oh, yeah. What's on your mind tonight? I want to talk about uh, hens, chickens. Hens, okay. I thought that's what you said. <laughs> uh, well, it, I, there's, a, uh, there's a group going around all the states trying to get legislation uh, to uh, remove hens from cages. Uh, I don't know if it's Humane Society or PETA, but there's a, a couple of bills before the New Hampshire uh, state legislatures that would, uh, first of all, uh, uh, the first one would require all hens in New Hampshire be kept in cages where they can spread their wings and stand up and not hit anything. Oh, wow. I see. So they can still be in cages, just they want bigger cages. Right. Yeah, bigger cages. Okay. Well, that's going to be... Or to have uh, them you know, be free-range chickens just out you know, plucking around. Well, the only problem with that is that there's not a single um, chicken, you know, egg, egg, chicken egg uh, farmer in New Hampshire that does that. That so, you mean that does does it the way they want them to do it now? No, they're, they're all either free range or not caged. Oh, I see. They're already there. So this is completely irrelevant. This is this would just be uh, just useless useless law. People right. are already it's doing it. It's some oh, we got spots some dumb um, law like uh, you know you're you're not allowed to uh, dress your monkey up in a sari and uh, parade him around on Main Street on a leash. Well, because nobody does that. Okay. But, right. Well, they just want to make sure nobody does in the future. You know, don't get any ideas. But but so so they tried a second one, and I, I think I don't think these have been voted on yet. Okay. But the second one is that New Hampshire does buy. I mean, the state of New Hampshire does buy eggs uh, from various you know people for various functions. Okay. And oh, so yeah. They're they're making it so that the state of New Hampshire can't buy eggs from anybody in any state that use that uses caged. Uh, chickens. By you know, so is I, it, re- I remember hearing about that. Is yeah. it the company that uses the cage, the, the the improperly caged chickens, or is it a state that um has in which a, any company uses the uh, improperly caged chickens? I'm not sure what you oh, were they, just they, saying. They can't, if, if, if there's a chicken that can't spread her wings and she lays an egg anywhere in the in the country, you know, Vermont, Massachusetts, wherever they get these things, uh-huh. the state of New Hampshire can't buy that. So it would so, prevent so the state from buying it. That's that's uh, beautiful. It's buying it from a, a company in a state that that does that. So if you, it, it, my anyway. understanding is is that if you if we both have hen companies, I have free range hens. Right. The state of and and we both are in the same state, say Vermont. Right. Um, the state of New Hampshire can't purchase from me simply because I'm in the same state as you, and you put your chickens in the cage wrong. Oh is, no 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 no! They can buy from you as a company if, if gotcha. your chickens okay. are free range. Or in big cages, they can buy those eggs, but they can't buy my little eggs. Egg, little cage chickens. Yeah, well, you shouldn't yeah, be selling those gangsters anyway. Well, I was just going to say, uh, yeah. it's it's interesting, Brian, that the idea that the state should be buying eggs is, is a, a very novel, strange concept to oh, a no, person well, well, here's, who here's believes the, in. Here's the fun part. Yeah. 
uh, by far, uh, something like 500,000 eggs, I've heard, are bought by the, by the state of New Hampshire Corrections Department. The right. Okay, the for prison. the jails. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so if you just you put those together, they don't want anybody who li- who's, who's been forced to live in a cage, any human who's forced to live in a cage, to eat eggs from chickens that are in cages. It's a little bit of irony words, there. <laughs> it's good enough for the, for the people to be in cages, but we can't have these chickens in cages. Very good, oh, Brian. Man. Thanks for the well, call. <laughs> Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. I wonder, so the market's you know, already handled this, which is what was most interesting yeah, about, it, about his call, is that he points out that every egg producer in the state of New Hampshire is already the free-range, um, at least raise-your-wings-style eggery. Right, so right. It, makes, it makes the whole thing <laughs> redundant for that first law. And then the second proposal right. is fascinating. The idea that, uh, well, you know, the state's going to be buying these eggs for their, for their prisoners anyway. These, are, of course, are the same prisoners who stamp out the live free or die license plates every day, which is kind of <laughs> cute. Um, but uh, since they're going to be buying these things anyway, well, let's establish a, 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 some sort of a protocol where the state shall never buy eggs from any company that does not have free range chickens or cages that are large enough. Now, I wonder, when the, I wonder if that will affect the bottom line for the purchase of the eggs, the cost that that will uh, level down onto the uh, the state uh, prison system. I don't know, but you sort of think to yourself, I mean, if there's this paradigm of the state that we currently have that I'd like to get rid of, but admittedly, it's there right now, Mm. um, and the state takes people's money by force within the state of New Hampshire, because the state of New Hampshire can't really do too much to take other people's money by force in other states. So it takes New Hampshire taxpayers' money by force and then decides what way to spend it. Is it better to have it spend that money within the state and pay a higher price? For instance, let's say they passed a law that said, okay, the state of New Hampshire governments cannot buy eggs from anywhere outside of New Hampshire, regardless of what the uh, the company's practices are. Right. So is it better to keep that buying power, the stolen money, here in the state? Or is it better to get the taxpayers a good deal on eggs and buy from the best price uh, over in Vermont or yeah. Well, this is one of the problems with um, communal money, public property, anything like that. I could think that it's a better, um, it's more important that we get a good deal on our eggs, so right. let's buy them from Maine. And I could say that New Hampshire eggeries are more important. We need to keep the money right. in the state. We're taking the money from the people in New Hampshire. We should darn well spend the and money we from could people. And fl- we could form two political organizations <laughs> right. to go up against one another over this one issue and spend thousands it. of dollars rather than just people. Let, <laughs> rather than just letting people decide what the best way to spend their money is. It's yeah, amazing. Exactly. And you know, Ian, you because brought up... this yeah, well, whole local issue, it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, you like it's moral to buy things from people who are local and close to you. No, it's not. I know the, the, the backwards economics of it is, is truly stunning. I remember a friend of mine is a computer engineer, and on everything he seems to be very laissez-faire. And he says, "Oh yeah, you know, definitely we should be able to get products from other other countries that can make them more productively and more cheaply. Yeah, definitely. You know that that frees up more money for us, and we can invest it in other things." He understands it until you get to. Well, how do you feel about uh, foreign computer engineers being able to get work or, oh, or no. outsourcing jobs? Right. <laughs> and so that, you know, you sort of tangentially got into that issue. He's like, oh, no, we can't give that particular field uh, up. <laughs> oh, why? It's too dangerous. Protectionism yeah. is okay when it's my field, right. but everyone else uh, right. say fair. Right, absolutely. That's a problem. Right. That's, a re- that's a serious problem. Uh, that we, and we is a collective term, uh, that everyone in this country needs to get over. The idea that uh, 
that protectionism of the government is okay in certain areas, namely areas that protect my business and my livelihood. So a lot of people understand that competition is a good thing. Like right. They like the competition right. in the, uh, the retail market where they can go and get products at a cheap price. But all of a sudden, when someone wants to jump into their business, the, the game changes. Right. They yeah. want regulations. They want restrictions. Competition right. is freedom. The more freedom there is, the more competition there is. Mm. And freedom is this funny, has this funny way that you have to give it away in order to get it. You can't just, <laughs> you can't just say, well, yep. I, should have, I should be able to enjoy the, the uh, spoils of the competition in every marketplace, except the one that I work in, that's gosh the, darn but it. But that's the catch. You're right. That's the catch-22 of freedom is you have to give it to as many people uh, as there are out there mm -hmm. if you want that equal amount of freedom for yourself. Yeah. You've got to help people understand that and get over their fear of allowing competition. More, we got to get to the phones. Yeah. I'm sorry. we got to go to uh, John in Winnipeg. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Garden Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, hey John. Hey. What's on your mind? Oh, I'd love to talk about this competition thing, but I, I better stick to the subject I called about. Um, I talked to you guys a couple of times over the years, and I had uh, informed you that I was arrested, uh, well, I guess it's over a little over four years ago now, uh, for threatening the life of George Bush and Donald Rumsfeld. Hmm. And I just wanted to let you know that I won the court case here in Canada. Really? Manitoba. Wow, congratulations. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you guys, uh, reason triumphs everything, you know, and you can, uh, you know, you can do a lot of spin in the public marketplace of ideas, but facts speak for themselves. You know, yeah. when, the, when they're actually allowed to be spoken. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. in many courtrooms here, you're in Canada, so maybe it's better there. But on many oh, yeah. courtrooms here in America, judges just simply won't let you defend yourself in the way that you want to. True. Yeah, well, yeah, well it depends on your, and the arguments that you use. Like, just a couple of examples. My first I'll motion. let you give that in a moment. Hang on. 800-259-9231. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Live is your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, packet 8.net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including the archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloaded convenience. Just go and get them for free at freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to socialize with hundreds of fellow activists and lovers of liberty, as well as enter uh, attend leadership and activist training seminars. It will be entertaining, because there's going to be a lot of really cool people hanging out there. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. I would guess it becomes more entertaining as the nights go on. As people uh, booze it up and that sort of thing, and uh, smoky smoke, et cetera. Uh, so, porkfest.com. It's a blast. As we go back to the phones, back to the fun, it's John in Winnipeg. Now, John uh, was about to get into, uh, I guess, and some examples from his court trial. You had been arrested, for, you say, four years ago for uh, allegedly threatening the life of the president, and was it Dick Cheney? No, it was uh, Rumsfeld and... and uh... Ariel Sharon was actually mentioned in it too. I was a political. I had a political talk show myself mm -hmm. here in uh, Winnipeg at the university, and uh, I was just dedicated to fighting for justice uh, by following the crime scene leads at the real murder scene. Anyway, so I got arrested, mm -hmm. and uh, my first argument in court was requesting the judge to contact another prosecutor's office and have the prosecutor involved in my case 
investigated for aiding and abetting the crimes of first-degree mass murder because she cannot provide you one officer anywhere in Canada who will disagree with the FBI's formal conclusion on who financed the terrorist event of question, right. Bush's business partner. So I'm able to say that stuff in court and provide the documents, and they can't find an honorable... There is no such thing as an honorable officer who will disagree with me on that. You might not like me, you might not like me for whatever reason, but that's just the conclusion that the FBI drew by following the crime scene leads. Plus, Bush used zero evidence to form his conclusion that bin Laden played a part in the terrorist event while immediately uh, closing criminal investigations, contacting the FBI, shut those down. So you put that in front of a judge, you know, he, he is our prime suspect for the acts of first-degree mass murder with the help of Jim Mikulowski over at MSNBC who provided the top secret presidential directive strategy documents. I'm not really too interested strategy. in, I'm honestly not really too interested in getting into all the minutia of... Uh, well, well, that's this. all there is. That's okay. all there is. It, that's all there is, actually. Uh, and those are, the, those are the things that Americans fear. And as a consequence, you're, you're falling into tyranny by shadows. And instead of going with the shadows, you should be going with the FBI. You get the FBI behind you and there's nothing stopping you. Because uh, even, even though, as I'm well aware, there are corrupt elements in any police force likely, mm -hmm. particularly as you say in America, you've got a lot of problems with the justice system. Uh, even the bad FBI officer ain't going to come into the public light and uh, lie openly because other officers will say, you're being dishonorable. You're not serving the interests of defending American freedom. Uh, and uh, you're not, a, you know. So what was, the key, what was the key to, uh, to winning your case, do you think? Uh, well, the, the Crown and any well, the Crown fearing, not fearing. The Crown's got a job to do. She's forwarded this information. Like, this is what I don't understand in your place, uh, what's going on in America with your prosecutors. They're not supposed to be picking and choosing what prosecutions to uh, to follow. They're supposed to be provided that information, and they just do their job. But I don't know what's going on over there. But in Canada, you know, the prosecutors uh, uh, are, are, are provided the evidence on a particular criminal matter, and they fight it in court. So part of it is is my arguments are are true like the crown is aiding and abetting the crimes of first degree mass murder she's forsaking canadian soldiers who she knows are being lied to by our news agencies who don't want to cover these issues and their lives are being forsaken they're actually dying so in iraq you're talking about in iraq no in afghanistan because uh oh, you know okay. the taliban's position as a, and again i get to put this in court the taliban's position was just give us one piece of evidence showing that he played any part in this event whatsoever and we'll hand him over immediately plus laden then later offered to hand himself over. He said, take me. You know, I don't want you to kill these third world. They're starving to death. Uh, just take me. Did he? I don't recall that. I don't recall that. Well, it never made much of the news. It never made much of the news. In Canada, on CBC, we had a, a, a shot of, of, of Layden leaving. Uh, while, or how did it, well, he had said, he had said that uh, he was prepared to hand himself over, but now that the bombing campaigns have begun, he's going to have to try to defend the innocent mm -hmm. with God and go against, uh, you know, evildoers who bomb people indiscriminately without thought to question what, mm. what the hell you guys are really doing there. Uh, I wonder. You know, like, uh, like these people, in, like you dropped a 38,000-pound bomb. Guard your question? Paul, yeah. And you killed all those people there. They got nothing to do with 9-11. I was, I was just going to say, uh, I think uh, part of the problem here is uh, you wonder how much of that is just rhetoric from bin Laden and uh, how much of it is, is, is honest. Well, not a zero, but this is in a court of law. You can't. You can say that, but in a court of law, you can't provide one thread of evidence indicating Bush provided anything to uh, secure his conviction. 
And his conviction is on faith, on your part, to go, he must have something hidden somewhere. But that's not how law works. That's not what justice or freedom is. If you want well, to one thing's freedom. for sure. They've never brought uh, Osama bin Laden to a trial for anything. Um, right, they... and it was, it was Tom Daschle himself, Senator, or Congressman, Congressman Tom Daschle, the head of the Democratic Party of the day, who said he was contacted immediately after the terrorist event and told to close out criminal investigations. Well, and, and you know that uh, old George Bush himself, I mean, didn't he take the heat off of bin Laden? What was it, a couple of years ago when he essentially mm. changed gears and said, yeah, he's not, we're not interested yeah. in him anymore. We don't care yeah, about bin w, Laden. Yeah, w one nine nine nine, right? And then plus in August, he had that, mo- the, um, uh, what did I, I forgot what he called, the intelligence briefing there, where, you know, uh, practically an imminent attack is underway. They're casing buildings. They might fly planes into buildings or whatever. You know, and he's on vacation celebrating, but we know now, according to Jim McClashevsky, he's working on his invasion of Afghanistan strategy for Enron, who needed a liquefied natural gas pipeline to, to stave off their impending criminal bankruptcy. All wow. documented. All well, documented. John, congratulations on, uh, on winning your court case. We really appreciate hearing from all you right. tonight. 800-259-9231. I'm just kind of... Um, a little bit blown away by all the information oh, yeah, spewing I'm, out there. I'm, I'm, at, yeah. I'm, I'm awash in a sea of information from him, but I think that he had a lot, a lot of good points. You know, it's interesting because I've heard about the Afghanistan pipeline before and the Enron thing, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, Jim McShesley uh, comes up with over on NBC. Uh, but part of part of it is uh, my friend, uh, I have a good friend from college who was uh, in Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and um, the... I think the approach towards bin Laden basically stopped because they hadn't apprehended him and they wanted to apprehend him. And there are a lot of conspiracy theories as to whether whether or not they let him go intentionally and things like that. But I can tell you, you know, my friend Sean, who writes for the Army Times, he was there. He's a libertarian and, you know, he knows how they messed up when they could have gotten him. And they they tried to get them, and and the guys up top just it was a total, as they say in the military, CF. Mm -hmm. They just messed it up. So they didn't do it intentionally. They just it was just impossible for them to stop the stop uh, Bin Laden's escape. But why why drop the uh, why drop the issue? Why shift the focus yeah. away from Bin oh, Laden yeah. if he really is the bad guy? And I don't know. I mean, people will get on the air and spout off conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory, and the the, the government story is a conspiracy theory too. As and far as the I'm government concerned. story, it's not like it's pat or anything. It's not like they know exactly what happened. Uh, nobody nobody can say exactly right, they what saw happened. Some, they, Essentially, they saw some uh, Arabian-looking dudes get on an airplane, and then they thought, "Oh, it's Bin Laden." I mean, so yeah. But but the only thing about that is there there is evidence. Uh, for example, when those guys were in Germany, uh, that they were in touch with Bin Laden, they were recruited by Bin Laden, they got money from Bin Laden, there, and then there are is rumors there evidence, that the money or did was the uh, the federal government come up with the evidence. No, well, that's the thing. You you question <laughs> if it came from certain intelligence sources. Right. Well, but, I question anything the government says, so, which it. is why I don't know what happened. I I don't believe what anyone says, whether yeah. it's the conspiracy crowd or the federal government crowd. All I know is government's getting bigger. That's what we need to focus on is getting it down to size. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. 
That would be the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free, including the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Uh, there are over 1,200 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. Tax season is upon us. Don't you wish you had known more about finances growing up? A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com. Or call 800-657-5066, 800-657-5066, 1-800-259-9231 is our number. We'll uh, talk to you about whatever's on your mind. You make the call. Let's go to the phones. It's Jack in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. I say good day to you, sir. Hey, Jack, hey, what's Jack. on your mind? in the face for talking too much. I'm sorry? For the KGB. A little bit of the Russian mafia, and that's, uh, that's about what I do. You, work for, you say you work for the KGB? Yes. I'm sorry, I missed what you said before that about talking too much. What was that now? You ever get punched in the face for talking too much? No. Why don't you pay attention? Uh, well, because uh, there was a little bit of crosstalk going on. The answer is no. I don't think anyone here has ever... Has anyone here ever gotten punched in the face uh, for talking too I've much? I've gotten punched in the face for things I've said. Okay. So, yes, Mark has done that. Uh, any file, Any follow-up questions? I'm talking to you. All I want to hear from your ass. Get out of here. 800-259-9231. You're not supposed to laugh at them, Mark. <laughs> what? That one, was, that one was better than the uh, the other ones that they've had. The packet 8.net till free line, 1-800-259-9231. That's true. Uh, so it's, there always, you go. it's always intelligent to bring up a now defunct security force. <laughs> right. uh, I work for the Cheka. Oh, sorry. That was uh, I am one of Genghis Khan's greatest warriors. Oh, oh but he's been dead a long time. All right, so a uh, quick update from the Supreme Court, or maybe not ah. so quick. I don't know. There's a number of issues that they addressed. Uh, pick one and start with it. All Pardon? right. Which you want to do, Mark? Your choice, man. Um, I'll take EPA. Okay. I'll take EPA for 500, Alex. <laughs> uh, what is an unconstitutional body? The EPA. <laughs> yes, you win. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of tree-hugging greenies? Yeah, really. Uh we we had a Supreme Court, two Supreme Court issues came down today. You've got the EPA. I've got the the one on the Guantanamo suspects. Oh, and, I don't uh, have the, the the one on the EPA pulled up. I figured you were okay. going to take Great prep care of that. job, boys. All right, no problem. Well, All right. Uh, here's the EPA story. Um, the EPA story is looks like this. Uh, the Supreme Court today ruled that the Environmental Protection Agency does have jurisdiction under the Clean Air Act to be able to regulate emissions of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases from cars. Now, let me tell okay. you about What's... carbon dioxide real quick, Ian. Okay, yeah. Now, carbon dioxide is a gas that's present in the air. Now, when humans breathe out, that's carbon... Um, dioxide. Dioxide. Right. Oh, okay. Humans breathe out carbon dioxide. Cars put out carbon monoxide also. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But, but and carbon dioxide, So too. if they can regulate carbon dioxide, then they can regulate carbon monoxide. They can, sure. Yeah, certainly. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that they could probably already regulate carbon monoxide. Right. Got so it. So carbon dioxide. Um, a certain uh, population on the planet Earth uses carbon dioxide for food. What's that population? <laughs> uh, hmm. 
Air? Plants. <laughs> oh, right, right, plants. Plants use carbon right. dioxide to make food. Um, I, they're, they're regulating food in the atmosphere, like yeah. the, the production of food. It doesn't make any sense at all. They're calling carbon dioxide poison. It isn't poison. It doesn't act like a poison in any way, shape, or form. You would think the EPA would know better than that. Well, the EPA just wants more power. You would think that the, the what sort of things Supreme they, Court would know better. See, like, that what sort of that devices. Was, see, the the gist of the defense from people in the auto industry and and uh, the administration and so on was that uh, the the EPA had formerly been only allowed to regulate particulates or poisons that were not normally present in the atmosphere. Like man-made stuff. Exactly, exactly. So uh, you'd be seeing... Which things, they've done an awful job with. Right. So like certain types of things that help cause smog and things like that that are that are brought about by the burning of fossil fuels that aren't normally found in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, you know, you've got to put scrubbers on your, on your coal and things like that. So what they did here was... Uh, the four conservative justices, John, uh, John Roberts, Alito, Scalia, and Clarence Thomas, all dissented on this. Uh, so this was really like John Paul Stevens, our buddy David Souter, and people like that, both of whom have uh, places here in New Hampshire. Uh, and so what, what happened was, uh, here's a comment from Chris Miller. He says, in many ways, the debate has moved beyond this. He's the director of global warming for Greenpeace. Okay. Um, he says that all the front runners in the 2008 presidential campaign, both Democrats and Republicans, even the business community, are much further along in this than the Bush administration is. Now, what's going to happen on this is this is going to push the EPA to start pushing for higher cafe standards on cars. So this is a two-pronged thing. What you've got here is the Supreme Court ruling. Right. But this opens the door for the Congress to start getting the EPA to set higher standards for CAFE, the uh, the uh, auto emission standards. Okay. So what that's going to do, they've tried that in the 70s. And as many people have pointed out, the secondary unintended consequences of that are that people start to drive lighter cars – before they would normally buy the lighter cars because right. it becomes so expensive, the auto manufacturers start making lighter cars to conform to the government rather than to the people's demands in the consumer marketplace, and more people die on the, the government roads. They get in an accident. Kills people. Right. Yeah, they're not as safe. They're not as, as heavy cars. Right. So they don't allow the consumer to make the choice between safety and fuel efficiency. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you remember my uh, 76 Eldorado convertible yeah. with the 500cc engine in it? <laughs> um, now, you know, if, if, you were, if you were thinking about that vehicle versus, say, I'm going to try to use something from that same time period, a Toyota Corolla, you know, mid, mid-70s mid Toyota mm-hmm. Corolla, which one do you think would protect you better in an accident? Clearly, the big old beast. It, sure, there's yeah. more steel between you and the thing you hit. Right. Um, well, the fact is, when you start putting regulations, and that's really what happened, the Eldorado um, of that size. It was regulated out of existence. It was regulated out of existence. Right. You couldn't, you just couldn't drive right. a vehicle that weighed that much, um, you know. So essentially, they're going to make this. They're going to make it so everybody has to drive a featherweight. Is basically what well, that could be what happens. And one of the one of the things that that really bothers me in the abstract, although it's it's really a practical thing as well, is that the very existence of the Environmental Protection Agency is patently patently unconstitutional. For sure, it's just disgusting. You know, this is a, a great point. I got to speak with Michael Badnerick about this one time. And uh, you know, if you read any of the books, like Edmund Kantosky wrote Makers and Takers, and and he had a terrific quote in there from James Madison, who took the notes at the Constitutional Convention mm-hmm. and said to look at the interstate commerce clause as a preemptive rather than uh rather than a uh, uh preemptive rather than um 
uh, like post post. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally right. sorry. They the can, they, you know, yeah. at some point or another, they can regulate uh, re- after something's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than remedial, remedial, uh, rather than a remedial um, a clause is to completely read into the the clause in the Constitution. Well, they did it anyway. Yeah, and they did it. And so and they've used it uh, for more than just the EPA. They've yeah. used it oh, to really everything. grow the government Labels, all over the everything. place. Yeah. So yeah. so what we're going to see now is. There's going to come out. They're going to push for higher cafe standards. They were going to do that anyway. They were going to push for higher cafe standards anyway. But now they're going to have this secondary argument, which is well, they can the back EPA it up by saying, "Well, the Supreme Court said we could." Right. And then there's then there's also the problem of the Congress ceding to another body powers that are supposed to be constitutional, uh, supposed to be congressional. So Not the first let's time. say, yeah, I know. So hypothetically, let's say they they can make an argument, which they can't, that Congress can regulate this type of a thing, the manufacture of cars that go over state borders or anything mm-hmm. like that. Then they're compounding the problem by then creating an agency and ceding their power to another body, which is completely verboten by the Constitution in Article 1. It's, it's just ridiculous. It's really bad. I would love for these guys to go out and start their own auto companies yeah. and compete in the market rather than forcing other people. They're not going to do that. They're a bunch of lawyers that just, you know, make yeah, their money talking guns. and writing things down. They've got, and they've got thugs with guns to enforce their will. 800-259-9231. If you uh, are concerned about this either from either side of the issue... I uh, would like to hear from you. 800-259-9231. This is your show. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line is 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. And we invite you to join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 360 of our listeners have decided to do, for as little as 3 bucks a month. So I say, we give all of our website features away. Most radio talk show hosts in the industry, they want to charge 5 6 7 bucks a month. Well, we give it all away. In fact, I would say we give away more than what they even charge for, and... We're just asking you for oh, your, three bucks. Your site is awesome. Right. It's just, great. We're just asking you. And so head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You want to help support the show. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote because we take that money in. And, uh, you know, I'm not paying Gardner to, to come here tonight. Uh, he drives an hour and a half just because he believes in this program and, and he wants to get on the And air. I like to share the time with you guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> so he drives here on his own. He doesn't walk away with a paycheck. In fact, he brought us chocolate candies tonight, which is completely uncalled for. <laughs> That's right, ladies. Um, I bring the chocolate, <laughs> all you shrine women. So Mark is not getting a paycheck for me uh, out of AMP. I'm not getting a paycheck out of AMP. What's going on with the AMP money is it's going out to promote Free Talk Live. It's going out to an affiliate relations guy to call radio stations for us to get on more stations. We're advertising in Talkers Magazine, like all the big boys are. We're doing that, too. Uh, We're going to industry conventions. We're doing Internet advertising. So it's all there listed, uh, plus you get a list of the perks that you get access to, like the cam, uh, the studio cam chat room, that's only for amplifiers, and more. All there at amp.freetalklive.com. Once again, amp.freetalklive.com. To the phones, uh, to Troy in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hello, Troy. Um, I want to talk about an aspect of the DWI laws that most people don't think about until I tell them my situation. Okay. Um, I'm one of those nasty Americans that have had three DWIs. Three of them. And uh, I'm, right now in Minnesota, they have me labeled IPS, which is inimical to public safety. Okay. Uh-huh. That doesn't sound good. <clears throat> no, anything that's got letters like that is not good. They should um, actually put that on government. They should label that, but that's okay. 
And what it means is that I, if I get another DWI, I'm automatically going to look at three years in prison. Really? And if a police officer sees me drinking, like in a bar, he can write a letter and have my license taken away for three years. Wait, so you can't even drink? Right. Wow. Now, I got all three of my DWIs in 1995. One bad year. <laughs> really bad year a yeah. long time ago. How old were you back then, if I might ask? Uh, early 20s. Okay. okay. Whatever it was, it was a bad year, and people That's do have bad years. It's more likely that people do those things in their early 20s. I would 20s. agree with that. Well, here, here's the deal, though. I, I never had a car accident, and I was never stopped for driving erratically. Mm. Um, the first DWI, an ex-girlfriend called and said I was driving, I shouldn't be. They actually came up when I was stopped out of my vehicle. Really? gave me the DWI. The second one, they said that um, <clears throat> they had been called to another party for another situation, and the cop that had given me the first DWI recognized my truck hmm, and came really? over and started talking to me. And because the keys were in the vehicle and I was oh, standing no. there, he gave me a breathalyzer. The third time I was stopped because I had a headlight out. <laughs> wow. God. Are, uh, you're not, are you related? So at no point were you swerving, running over kids on tricycles. You Never. weren't uh, wrapped around a telephone pole. None of those things. Wow. Never. But uh, I'm not really complaining about the fact that I was dumb enough to get three, three DWIs. <laughs> that the law is the law. And like Marcus said before, if you're stupid enough to get in the second time, stupid enough to get in the third time. But here's the problem with the entire law. The law itself negates the responsibility of those who actually cause harm. And what I mean by that is on my third DWI, I was sitting, I think, 90 days in jail. But while I was in there, one, a guy came in who actually passed out at the wheel, drove through a stop sign, and killed someone. Mm. He was out in six months, and he's not labeled IPS right now. That's Isn't that amazing? amazing? It's all about the a, system and the silly rules. It's one size fits all. There no laws. addressability. There's no right. answering. And as a libertarian, shouldn't we believe that those who actually cause harm are the ones that should be punished? Absolutely, and they should have. They should pay restitution to the victims. As right. Well. Because what, what we're looking at right now is sort of like if you're stopped with a rifle in your car, you get arrested for attempted murder. Anyone who does murder someone. It's a lesser penalty. You know, that's a very good example. Uh, you know, what what we have here is the, the state is trying to approximate some sort of a system that the private marketplace could come up with much more efficiently. Uh, and, and if you look at examples of private roads, the very term turnpikes came about throughout the New England states, New York and New Jersey uh, early in the 1800s, in around 1820 or so, there were there were thousands of miles of turnpikes that were being laid down privately by private organizations. They didn't run into the so-called free rider problem where people wouldn't give up their land for purchase. Nobody had to give their land up to uh, to eminent domain. They just sold their land off to these guys, and the turnpike guys ran these roads efficiently. And unfortunately, I think in Minnesota what you've got there is a clear example of the state is trying to say, well, look, we need to have some sort of standard so we can't let these people come onto the roadways, but we can't stop them unless we give them some sort of a penalty, and we just can't manage these things. So we're going to make this penalty for potential threats very high so but, that we can prevent But here's the problem it. with the potential threats. Yeah. They have laws that one of them is driving within two hours of being tested, which means that if you're sitting in your house yeah. and they come up and somebody said, hey, that guy drove home, you're not endangering anyone. You're sitting in your house. You're mm -hmm. not going anywhere. That's right. right. And, 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 and even if you're tested, so if the test comes out negative, you still can't get out there for two hours? They, no, they can actually give you a DWI. If you're tested and you blow a .09, let's say, and, and they didn't see you in your car, and you're not endangering anyone, you're in your house, 
they can charge you with DWI. As no, long I'm as just... wait, as long as somebody has said you were driving before. Yes, as long as they have some indication that but you're But there's been before. plenty of time that I have um, driven home and gotten to point zero nine within two hours of getting home. And what? that's exactly what happens at a lot of these parties. Oh, my these gosh. People show up at the party, and then everybody there is busted. That's insanity. Now wow. That's a bad law. Wow. So so some somebody could just call in and say, okay, this guy's swerving. You end up at, a, at another location, whether it be your house or a party. Let's just say you go home. Let's say you go home and you, you start drinking. That actually drinking. happens most of the time because the police go to your house. Mm-hmm. When they get your when they get yeah, your they license find out the plate license number, and they intercept you. <laughs> when they get the license plate number, they assume that you're going home. You've been inside your let's say you go home, you go inside your house, kick back a, a couple brewskis, and then an hour and a half later, a cop shows up at your door. Uh, well, what happened to a so, an associate of mine was she got home, and somebody had called in. They went to her house, and let's say it was 20 minutes later after she got home, mm-hmm. they knocked on the door. She answers the door. They give her breathalyzer. She gets the DWI. So why now, would, now? What happens if you don't answer? What happens no, if you don't take well, the breathalyzer? Had she been smart, she wouldn't have answered. Right. <laughs> but I see. Most people in that situation aren't expecting. They have, they're not driving. They're right. not driving. And, they, and most people are conditioned that uh, you know, be nice to the cops, exactly. and you'll and you'll be okay. In this case, uh, try your but, best to avoid them. Part of this is part of the comments that Mark has made about about how important it is to ensure the public safety, and I understand that. But in her situation that I just discussed, and at least one of mine, there was no danger to the public. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's just so what you have is you're spreading out the guilt of the people that actually cause harm over a wide swath of the American public and saying, okay, if everyone is punished, then this individual – and look at, look at the situation. We have Kennedy drives off a bridge, kills a woman, walks away from the car. They yeah. know he was drunk. But but because he's a senator's son, we can't allow him to do twenty years in, in prison. It's just uh, it's your story is just a tragic one. I'm curious though. Uh, well, I don't you, consider it tragic. I actually consider it kind of funny. I've gotten my license back now. Oh, I, okay. In '95, I decided that I was never going to drink even one beer and get behind the wheel. So, so I wait, how long did it take you to get your license back? I just got it back a couple months ago. No. Okay, which means so, I was illegally driving for ten years because obviously I had to work. Were you really amazing? Um, I didn't so, have a choice. And, and well, also, you know, a lot of good the laws did on that one, huh, Mark? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> well, Kept that guy off the road. The other there's thing, another funny, funny concept of this is that my my arrests were all in 1995. The inimical to public safety didn't come in until 1999. So four years after, I was that retro retroactive? Yeah, or that's ex post facto. Yep, it goes back for life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't they shouldn't be able to do that either. I didn't even know about it until I went to get my license back after wow. driving illegally for 10 years. Oh, sorry. You're SOL. Amazing story, Troy, and thank you for it. Yeah. We appreciate hearing from you. Gardner. Okay, you're... keep up a good work, guys. Thank yeah, great you. job, will. Troy. Thanks. You had a comment there. Yeah, I was I was just going to say, you know what's fascinating to me is that um, this, this event, this series of events in your life have actually brought about uh, what you came up with, which I, I thought was an excellent analogy, a very good analogy, which is if you're traveling with a shotgun or some sort of a firearm, uh, they would arrest you for attempted murder. Right. Uh, and and again, it just – however anybody looks at that and say, well, you know, I don't think that's uh, that great an analogy because, you know, a drunk driver could pose a threat. Well, you know, okay – 
but at least it makes you think about the difficulty on, of trying to manage a government-run transportation system mm. that could be better run, and you would give your consent to their rules if you had it done privately. I would agree with I would agree with that, but at this point, we sort of have to operate as though the government owns the roads. We give them the money; they've built the roads, however inefficiently and poorly, that may be, that and they may have be to administrate it in whatever way they're going to do it. And the government's always inefficient. That's all correct. Um, in fact, I believe that you've got an email about roads, Mark. We'll hit that coming up since we're on the topic. We'll hit that coming up here in hour number two. Uh, your calls as well. There was also another Supreme Court case we didn't get to yet, so we've got to talk about no. that as well, I believe. More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number two of the program. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Well, last hour we started, or we towards the end of the hour got into the roads issue yet again. And uh, as usual, when we talk about roads, there's usually a few emails that'll roll in about it. And so, Mark, I think uh, you've got one of Was those. Was this the one about Randy Rhodes and Ozzy Osbourne? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so bad he's dead, man. That one, no, <laughs> nah, it's no? the government okay. roads thing. No, this not one's, quite as interesting. <laughs> this one's from SciFace. Um, one of the more heated topics you guys talk about on the show is roads. Ian's thinks they should all be privately owned. Just Ian's answer to everything. And Mark thinks they should be mostly run by the government. And I think guards with me on the private ownership. Thing. Absolutely. I'm, right. I'm, assuming, um, with, I'm assuming with the exception that he's talking about um, me, my belief here. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming with the exception of gated communities, school campuses, and other private property. Well, here's sort of a way to get, uh, for both of you to get what, what you want. Hmm. Why can't the government run their roads but still allow private entities to build theirs? If the government is the only entity to be able to build and maintain roads, we'll find out. If the government um, entities can do it better, people will use the private roads. As for the government... That's a nice idea for a city that's yet to be built. Well, interestingly enough, just to interject, they're starting to do that out in California, and they're finding great response, and it's being done very efficiently. How are they finding the room for the roads? Well, they've taken some of the some of those um, alternate secondary vehicle lanes, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they weren't being used. They they made some changes, and they're allowing they're allowing private companies to run these things. And they, these people are, are charging tolls, and they're getting people on the roads, and they're managing them properly, and people can go really fast on the roads, mm-hmm. right. and uh, and it works out. I think that's a neat idea to try more. Now, well, that would require the government to uh, give a little. Yeah, to let some competition come it, they absolute, I'm all for you know the government uh, being you know forced to uh, – the government allowing people to compete in the area of roads. I'm mm-hmm. all for that and always have been. The idea that the government would keep people out of it – I, it, it's it's ludicrous as far as I'm concerned, but um, in one way that the government keeps people out is when you build a na- uh, neighborhood, you basically have to pave the roads, um, you have to do everything, and then give the roads to the government. If you're building a complex, if I'm a housing development, I build all the roads in there. What? 
Yeah, but this is that's not always the case. It's not there always are the case. Roads. There are private neighborhoods where the roads are taken care of privately, and government does not have dominion. In some them. cases, the government requires you build the roads and give them to them. I see. And I don't mm. know. You know, I'm only telling you what I've seen In and some what cases, I've read. Okay. Yeah. Some city governments, some municipal governments, require that this happens. Awful and idea. That's yeah. That's really unfair and um, not fair at all. In some communities, of course, the roads are maintained by the community, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for that i just um i don't know it seems so difficult when you're thinking about uh people people choose to send their kids to public school yeah. this um well they only choose it because they don't know any better no or they that's or not they, true they're they financially absolutely strapped don't. no it's it, well they're strapped because they have because to pay so much to, to um exactly. send their kids to uh because they have to send everybody's kids to if they really school. knew Hold how wait, awful wait, 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 wait. they choose differently they you if you tell somebody um ask them which is the better school in town um, is it? Would you rather send your kid to public or private school? If, you, if all things being equal, well, private school. So they, but they send their kids to public right, school but because it's they're easy. already being robbed to pay for it, and they believe it's good enough. And that's what's going to happen with roads. People are already being robbed to pay for it, mm-hmm. and they're going to say, "Well, you know, I'm going to continue to take." So many um, people are going to continue to take the. Uh, the public roads, the government roads, that it seems like it's gonna, it would make the, unless uh, except in extreme circumstances, it would make the private roads useless. Are you arguing against his proposal, the, not, the emailer? I'm not arguing against anyone's proposal. I'm telling you what I think will happen. If there are two choices, you mean? If there are choices. Here's what I'm saying. Well, yes. Gardner's saying it's working in California. Yeah, they're, they're Indiana, I just pulled something up here. Indiana has leased its toll road to a private consortium that will have an incentive profit to use electronic toll collection rather than human collectors who slow traffic and sometimes cost twice as much as the tolls they collect. Well, the I, fact is, people that have to be somewhere are using the toll roads. They're using them because the traffic sucks otherwise. I, I'm Look, all I'm telling you is people take their most valuable investment and they send it to government schools. Mm-hmm. And if you're telling, you know, when you start talking about roads and that kind of thing, I just don't, I just don't know if people will use them. Sure, I think, they're going to be I good. Think, at, I think clearly they will. Unfortunately, um, well, it, well, the question is what the percentage would be if you had these competing right. roads. Uh, there's going to be a certain percentage of people that are business people. They've got meetings to go to. They're going to be using the toll roads. That's going to take a little bit of load off of the government roads, mm-hmm. and so therefore the regular folk, the people that don't really care that much, are going to continue using the government roads. I would say it's probably going to be, if that was a situ- were to be the situation, you'd have a small percentage of people taking the toll roads, and everybody else would be on the government yeah, roads. So I the mean, majority yeah, will probably Mark's, take the government roads. Mark's thought is, is, is an inspired one, I think, uh, but uh, the existence of the government schools has not put the private schools out of existence. No, so it clearly hasn't. there is a market, and it's a growing market, uh, for private schooling or homeschooling, the worse the government school system gets. So uh, as we see the worse, particularly in New Hampshire, the roads have gotten worse and worse, particularly uh, with, the, with the left-wing governors that we've had. Uh, I think there is an incentive for people to, to make strides. There's still plenty of land out there. So it's a great idea for an experiment. You know, Allow people to sell their land for profit rather than have it taken away from them by eminent domain and uh, see if something could be set up. If that alternative starts to work, I think there would be a market. But the problem with that, though, is uh, can you imagine trying to be a road entrepreneur under that circumstance? That's true. Because you're not going to want to... cut a new path in the mountainous terrain uh, terrain of uh, New Hampshire when there's an existing government road. Yes, it sucks. Yes, it's two lanes. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's <laughs> you know it's lousy and backed up with traffic. 
but is it really going to be worth the effort when they're when they have essentially unfair competition being able to yeah. coerce people into funding their road? You have to use your own investment money in in hopes that you'll recoup it back. It's a risky and it's a very risky investment. I mean, it may pay off dividends. Hey, I don't know. You know, you know what though? Uh, looking at it, think about uh, setting up the infrastructure for UPS or FedEx, particularly FedEx, because uh, UPS was around a little while before FedEx. But, you know, you think about it, they saw a niche, they saw an opportunity, and they said, you know what, we think we can make this work. And they did. I bet you, yeah, and that particular infrastructure must be very, very time-intensive and very complex. Certainly there are plenty of examples of industries where people have uh, taken a, a tremendous investment and made it in hopes that they'll make it back. And obviously. they're having competition from the USPS. But they, while they have competition, they don't have to interface with the USPS. They mm. don't have to go to the mm. USPS yeah. and ask them for services and ask them for stamps and that sort of thing. Whereas if you were to go and create your private road across the state of New Hampshire, yeah, just on an investment, you'd have to be able to link it up with the government-owned roads. Otherwise, and of course, there's no use. Right. And then the government roads, you know, the government would have to say, okay, this is a good idea. And then you have to beg them for permission and all that in the hopes that it would, it would work out for you. Uh, it seems like a risky proposition. I think that uh, the, the best way that I've heard of yet or that I've thought of, and I'm certainly open to ideas as to how we can do this, because I think it's something that it, eventually, as we move more towards laissez-faire, is going to need to be seriously looked at. I know sure. Mark wants to stay away from it for as long as possible. But uh, no, 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 no. The no, fact no. Wait, is, wait, 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 that's not fair. I don't. I'm not against private roads in any way, shape, or form. Or you Ian. just don't want to talk about. I it. I just don't want to talk about it. That's what I'm saying. You want to stay stay away from the issue as long as possible. The fact is, we're going to have to address it, and so people need to start coming up with ideas now as to how to transition from this government publicly owned so-called road to a privately owned road. I don't know if the solution is to sell off an entire strip of road to one to one person. Because then you've got the government sale process, which will be politically yeah, motivated. I was thinking the same thing. You're going to have mercantilism all over again. Right. Uh, politically motivated, people with political connections will get the sales, and uh, yeah, that's a mess waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. I think the best answer, and I know it sounds all kinds of crazy and anarchistic and everything, but I think it might play out the best way, is to give the roads to the property owners that abut them. In that, we've got a neighborhood. There are ten houses on the street, five houses on one side, five on the other side. You give one-fifth, or one-tenth, rather, of the road to the house on one side of the street. You give the other tenth to the road on the house on the other side of the street. Just what's in front of their property line. You just draw out their property line to meet in the center of the road and give them a chunk of road. Give them ownership of that. Now, if they want to sell that chunk of road to some entrepreneur that's going to go around and try and buy up as many shares of road as he possibly can, that should be their decision to make. And there would be competing forces trying to attract There'd be people to go through their roads. Instantly, too. that competing forces uh, as well. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live, 800 259 This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, including updates. You get on the updates list, we'll send you out an email whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. For instance, yesterday I sent an update when, uh, well, let's see, we changed over to a new month, so it's voting time again at vote.freetalklive.com. Also, uh, new Shriners are up on the website. Count them three new Shriners. Very nice. Yeah, lots uh, of them. Right there on the front page uh, at 
freetalklive.com. Um, so, again, get on the updates list if you want to know the latest when it happens. Updates.freetalklive.com. We're talking about roads, and what started this was an email. I don't think we've even finished the email yet. We just sort of got off on a tangent talking about government roads versus private roads and you know how can we shift from the current government road paradigm into a completely 100% private road paradigm, an issue that a lot of people are uh, they would like to stay away from, but unfortunately it will continue to be brought up time and time again. As you talk about laissez-faire, as you talk about freedom, the free market with people, inevitably they're going to... Get it into their heads, the question of, well, how would the roads work? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been raised, uh, all of us sitting at this table here have lived our entire lives in the government road paradigm. Right. Yeah. It didn't, it wasn't always that way. No. Um, and so we can get back to that. It's not qu- that way in some countries. Really? Well, there are countries where there are entirely private roads. See, you're so stuck into the paradigm that uh, you believe that a road is something that's paved six inches deep with gutters and signs and all that other stuff. It could just be a dirt, rocky path. And in, in some cases, that's what you get with private roads. That's true. In some cases, that's also what you get with government it's roads it's terrible <laughs> right in fact i had uh, i had proposed i want to get back into the email here in a moment yeah but i had proposed um the idea that again i just sort of just thought up and it certainly could use maybe some modification other suggestions i'd love to hear other people's ideas as to how to get the roads out of government's hands but my idea yeah. is to essentially just grant an extension of existing property lines out into the middle of, of a road. So if, Mark, you live on one side of the street, I live on the other side of the street, the property lines of our properties, wherever they are... Would meet would, right in the middle of that yellow dotted line. Correct. Would read out, uh, meet out in the middle. And so I would all of a sudden gain a chunk of road, gain a chunk of road. Well, our board op says, okay, that makes sense. He likes the idea. But he says it wouldn't work with the big highways. You know, How would it work with a big highway? Well, I think it could work the same way. You have the municipalities uh, connected to the highways... You can have them handle it. Or in, in a I private was, paradigm, you can have the private communities connected to the highways. Right. I wasn't necessarily thinking interstate. That's going to be the federal government, and that'll be, that'll be a whole other ball of wax. But as far as just like maybe just a state road, and I think that's what he means by highways, mm-hmm. uh, a, a state road, which is a very lengthy road, well, there are people who have big plots of land abutting these state roads. Give them that chunk. Well, okay, well, why would they want to keep up that plot of land? Why would that person who's abutting the road, why would they care about keeping up that piece of road? Because They're collecting it's, rent. Right. Well, th- not only are they collecting rent, but um, they, they could collect rent There's from uh, from uh, from billboards and that sort of thing. That's, I mean, having a roadside property is like, uh, you know... <laughs> Free money, money from and heaven. You know, you know what's interesting about this is uh, there's um, there are some wonderful books on this. Tom DiLorenzo, I mentioned it last week. Tom DiLorenzo's book, How Capitalism Saved America. He has a lot of the stats on those private roads that came about. And a lot of people say, well, there's a free rider problem because uh, one person who uh, might gain the benefits of having a road pass through might resist paying for it because somebody else is going to pay for it. So then it, the whole thing falls apart. But what he found was that there was an incentive because of the ability to include or exclude people from being able to use the road systems, uh, there was an incentive for localities, for people who own property in in particular areas, to get involved because it helped their businesses. Mm -hmm. And they were competing against other people, so they wanted to get it done first. Sure. 
And you know, there's a that's that that's perfectly analogous to what you're what you're mentioning here, Ian. And that would happen for those people Roads on those larger highways. There's a great thing if people go online, if they if they Google, if they go to uh, actually the Foundation for Economic Education has a terrific piece by Daniel B. Klein. I just called it up. He's actually got a chart from 1792 to 1845 of all the states with the number of turnpikes that were incorporated in those years, just to show us how much we've forgotten in the history that, yeah, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, Maryland, Ohio. He's got them all listed. It's great. It's really, really, it's a terrific thing. Now, the turnpike, you had to pay a fee before you got on the road, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you could work something out, you know, with with Easy Pass and things like that. What a great system you'd be able to come up with. Right. With the electronic uh, systems that we have today, it's, it's, it wouldn't be a problem for these road owners to uh, to figure out ways to make money. And Absolutely I don't really think not. the I mean, are the answer. It, 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 somehow the or answer. another, I can take one single piece of plastic with 16 numbers on it, and I can go to any store in my town. As a matter of fact, I can go to any store in America. Pretty much. As a matter of fact, I've gone you know. to Turkey, and I have purchased <laughs> with this same card with 16 numbers on it, I have purchased for the retail price that I saw on the package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, to think that you can't come up with one little transponder gizmo in your car that, uh, you know, they can read as you... Shoot but past even a toll that, gate at 65 even that's going to get even that's going to get objections, you know, from the privacy, privacy advocates, people, yeah. that sort of thing. And yes, while it wouldn't be the hey, government look, using the privacy it, advocates can pull over to the side of the road and they can fish in their pockets for their pennies. But and, I think that the toll paradigm yeah. is uh, I think the toll paradigm's out of date. Uh, we've got advertisers supported everything in this world, and there's no reason why uh, that the marketplace, I, just the way I see it, and again, I don't know how the market's going to play out, but I know as a consumer, I don't want to go through the hassle of getting the transponder, installing the transponder. I know the market might take care of that and everything, but I don't want to go through that hassle or having to get two of them in case some companies can't agree on a standard. Mm. Uh, very, there's definitely an incentive for road owners to sell advertising on the side of the roads, I whether it's a full-size billboard or whether it's just a little uh, little road sponsorship sign saying, you know, this road brought to you by Goodyear Tires, uh, or this year uh, this road brought to you by Toyota such Motor and Company, such insurance company, uh, or yeah, the insurance companies. I mean, there's some all kinds of different that, alternate ways, but some of them would um, use tolls. And but look at this. And I tell you, if they were using tolls. They would be. Uh, they wouldn't have as much traffic as the ones that were advertiser supported. I bet you. I you would know, agree with that entirely. You know what I think is great in the conversation that you guys are having here, and I mentioned this to you off the air. Oftentimes on talk radio, it's it's just a total negative fest. And and you're sitting there, you're talking about positive things that could occur. And what I think is also really insightful is you're just saying, hey, these are some ideas. Isn't this terrific? If you were, if you guys were involved in government. You would be deciding in some <laughs> that you'd be on a blue ribbon commission and like, oh, this is the way it's going to be. Right. This They're isn't. Not... It's hey, maybe this will happen. Maybe this will happen. Right. We don't know. We're standing back. Right. No, it's we're going to decide for everybody. Because here we have two idiots discussing how you know maybe roads should be paid for. One guy says we should pay for with tolls. <laughs> the other idiot says no, no, we'll have Coca Cola pay for sure. it. You know, and whatever. You know, and how do they know what the marketplace you know, is going to do? Because and, the marketplace yeah. is going to come up with the very best idea. And the greatest, the, the worst thing about it is that if those government bureaucrats are wrong, 
they're not going to go out of business. We all lose. No. We <laughs> all lose. Even if they're right, we all lose a certain amount of uh, a certain amount of money. And they can't be right forever. Even if they make a, a correct decision, they're not connected to the marketplace signals to know that, oh, it's time to do something different. That's why roads haven't had a fundamental change in the past 50 or 60 years. I mean, okay, yeah, they're using LED lights now instead of the old-fashioned lights. But really, for the most part, roads haven't changed. What are we missing out on? What sort of innovations? More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, it's your show. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. And that does include, by the way, the live streams. Broadband version of the show waits you, as well as a dial-up version, both of them for free, at freetalklive.com. And what happened to the Republicans? They were spending like drunken Democrats, says Michael Tanner in his new book, Leviathan on the Right, How Big Government Conservatism Brought Down the Republican Revolution. It's Lazy Fair Books' March Lysander Spooner Award winner. So get the Leviathan on the Right and other books and videos on liberty at LFB.com. That's Lazy Fair Books, LFB. Dot com. We're talking roads. Uh, we're going to the phones and to the fun. It's Nigel in New York. Nigel, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Folks. Hey, Nigel. Hey, Nigel. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I had an idea for paying for roads privately that I think has a couple advantages over the ones y'all were putting forth. All right. We've talked about tolls, uh, of course, the, sort of the classic way of paying for them. We've talked about maybe advertising support or sponsorship. What was your idea? Well, my thinking is you put still the advertising, you put the ad on the road itself. Like the actual blacktop? Like the actual blacktop. You Why? Paint over it. Why would you do well, that? One, it's easier for road owners to do that as opposed to putting billboards on the side where you have to get permission from the property owner on the side of the road mm-hmm. and so on. Two, it'll encourage people to drive slower because they, if they want to read something, they'll leave more space in between. Mm-hmm. And three, it'll encourage maintenance of the road because the owners of the ads will want that area to be maintained so that the ad is legible. Interesting idea. You know, I don't think it'll work, but um, I, one thing I can tell you is that somebody will try it. And yeah. it, may very well, it may very well be the thing that uh, solves all our problems. I can tell you something immediately is, is that when somebody builds a road, they're going to use better products than the contractor who's trying to get away as cheaply as possible yeah, building point. the road you for the government right absolutely. now. They, I mean, you know, there's already these compounds out there. You can get these... Uh, these capsules embedded in the material, um, f- like flavor crystals inside of a stick of gum, when the road got uh, bad enough to oh, crack, it would start with, to show. Yeah, that's, there's all kinds of this polymer goo. That what I mean, about b- like, roads could be so much better than they are today? What about like uh, water, hot water running underneath the roads to uh, melt off snow any off? snow or anything like well, that? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, you're a little you're a little behind. Um, they're already doing that for driveways. Uh, they use geo uh, geothermal heat water from down in the earth to uh so they are doing it's possible they, it's, can, yes. they can do this well you know you know one of the fascinating things w- that you look at especially you know that you guys are up here in new hampshire is you see any mall parking lot or any private gated community anything like that their plows are out there they oh, have yeah. to do business as quickly as possible and what we have here in new hampshire is we have 
people telling us, oh, we can't throw salt down before anything happens. Our, our budget doesn't doesn't call for this anymore. We can't do anything about it. There have been too many storms. Like, we've only had two major storms here this year. What mm-hmm. happened to all the budget on the salt? It's just ridiculous. You can't manage anything. I, I like that idea. And, you know, um, I should mention uh, uh, regarding the call, um, I'm sure that the billboards on the side of the road would be managed in some uh, capitalistic fashion where if people were buying the land for the roads, they would buy some sort of uh, access or something like that or extra extra space on the sides. Uh, of the course. idea of having it on the tar is a good idea. I could see that that might have practical implications. I could see maybe like a Burma shave sort of thing where Absolutely. you've got the, you know, like if you're on a long stretch of road, there's one thing written in the road and then, you know, maybe another half a mile, there's another thing written in the road. Uh, it wouldn't work very well though, Nigel, I don't think at nighttime because a lot of, uh, a lot of billboards, they've got lighting systems on them. You'd have to actually have some sort of lighting highlight on the road to highlight the, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I question it, but hey, you know what? Give it a shot. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't claiming it was the end-all, be-all of right. solutions. It's, it's an just, idea. You know, another idea. Right. Nigel, Nigel are, thanks for the call. There's 30 million other people like me with ideas. Exactly right. right. Thank you for the call. And that's just it. If you let the marketplace handle it, laissez-faire, the free market, then the people with the best ideas will find people that invest behind their ideas, mm-hmm. and these things will come to fruition, and then the ideas will... Uh, Fight it out in the marketplace, and the really the truly best ones will survive. You know the yeah. um, the, the the in in the biggest towns, these metros where the where the uh, bulletin board space is so valuable, mm-hmm. basically they look like giant Sony Trinitrons. They're oh huge God. television yeah. sets. True. Now, there's, they, there's multiple like Piccadilly Circus. Uh, there's multiple uh, ads running on one. Right. Set. They, they flip through the the ads. Now you know at, at some point in the future uh, that that sort of technology will be cheaper. You know, you don't need any space on the side of the road. You can just use the uh, guardrail, the guard wall of the side of the road as your billboard and run the ads on at 60 miles an hour while Ooh, everybody's yeah. going 85. You could. So they go relatively slow. He's a thinker, this one. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I like, it it's very done. imaginative. You know, one of the greatest examples, just uh, once more to sort of go back to the Socratic thing of, hey, you know, when they ask Socrates, oh, you think you're so smart. He's like, hey, at least I'm smart enough to know I don't know at all. Mm. Um, the And I'm not a big fan of Socrates either. Uh, but... Um, uh, look, just a great example is Disney World. You know, anybody who's gone yep. into Disney World in Orlando, uh, they know that at a certain point, the the property of Disney starts. Correct. And the roads are gorgeous. <laughs> and you just you go right in. The 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 paving is smooth. There's mm-hmm. not a problem. They have bus systems. It's just awesome. Exactly. And uh, so that's a perfect example. You know, Gar, you brought roads. something up during the break that I wanted to address on the air. And you found some sort of you dug around and found oh. some historical example of uh, the excuse that I believe governments used. <laughs> yeah, let me get that. When they decided to seize hold of uh, control of roads. Yeah, yeah, this is great. This is from that. Uh, I went over to FEE.org, Foundation for Economic Education, and um, I called up this uh, piece by Daniel B. Klein. And um, at, at the bottom of it, he has uh, what ended up happening was between 1890 and 1916. There was this thing called the Good Roads Movement, and he he has it listed as a sort of subparagraph here. He says, the Good Roads Movement and the End of the Toll Road, 1890-1916. By the end of the 19th century, writes Klein, uh, state and county governments had grown in capabilities, and new agencies began setting goals for centralized highway management. Independent private toll roads were not thought appropriate in the era of progressive governance, and most of those remaining were bought out or shut down. Observed a county board in New York in 1906, quote, The ownership and operation of this road by a private corporation is contrary to public sentiment in this county, and the cause of good roads 
which has Translation, received... some politically active people don't like paying tolls. Right, right. right. <laughs> Basically, we in the government say that there shouldn't be toll roads. Yeah, yeah. So and, therefore, there shouldn't be and toll this roads. And is, this, is, this is just perfect. Uh, uh, there are two things, one that is actually in the writing and one that comes as an inspiration of okay. thought from this, which is uh, the cause of good roads, which has received so much attention in this state in recent years, requires that this antiquated system should be abolished. <laughs> That public opinion throughout the state is strongly in favor of the abolition of toll roads is indicated, and this is the great thing, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. indicated by the fact that since the passage of the Act in 1899, which permits counties to acquire these roads, the boards of supervisors of most of the counties where such roads have existed have availed themselves of its provisions and have, and have practically abolished the toll road. Translation. So in other words, yeah, the fact that politicians in the counties have taken advantage of this usurpation of private property is a rationale that backs the usurpation of private property. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it, uh, it's just amazing. Of course people aren't going to want to pay for services if they don't have to. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to just walk into Walmart, fill up their shopping cart, and, and walk out? I mean, everybody wants that, so the politicians yeah. are using that as a exactly. as their excuse to pander to the... the, the the people and say, hey, you just let us take these roads. Somebody we won't charge anything for it. These tolls are antiquated, to use their words. But I, what, I, what I love the most about that paragraph yeah. is that the politicians' excuse for taking roads in the first place, either shutting them down by force or buying them out, their excuse was, these tolls are antiquated. How long was it? <laughs> How long was it between when they finally bought out the last private road and instituted their own toll system? Well, that's that's such a perfect example. You know, I, I'll just bring it up as an aside. Here in New Hampshire, we're fighting this fight that's gonna they're gonna try to centralize education decision making in our state capital rather than having the towns do it. At least the towns provide some competition, and their their deal is well, we're gonna lift the burden off of you. We're going to take the burden off your property taxes. In every other state where they've instituted a (laughs) broad-based tax to lift the burden off property taxes, the property taxes have gone up. Same thing with these roads. You end up paying tolls on the government roads, too. 800-259-9231. Governments raising taxes, not doing what they claim they're going to do. Extorting you on the roads? Wow. Wars on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Live, it is your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, purchasing some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. The pre-order phase has opened on our brand new products. Now, we, you already knew if you've been to store.freetalklive.com that we got some pretty cool stuff, including uh, various different T-shirts and hats. Well, now we've got even more. Uh, we've got the new Free Marketeer T-shirt for sale. We've got the new Ladies tee. I just was going to say, I think I see a Ladies was in tea high there. demand. So mm-hmm. that is now uh, offered in both a pink and a black flavor. Uh, we've got the full zippered black hoodie. Uh, we've also got the heavy style pullover hoodie, so two different styles of hoodies, uh, also in yellow and black. The brand new version of the Free Talk Live beanie cap, the retractable lighter and bottle opener, and then one of the coolest things that I uh, I think that I've seen, the two gigabyte multi-gadget. It's an MP3 player, it's an FM tuner, 
I put I put a couple extra bucks into each unit just to add an FM tuner in there mm-hmm. because nice. I love radio and I want to keep supporting radio as long as possible. I I'd put an AM tuner in there, but they just don't offer them anymore. Oh, uh, that looks that's great. I can see the screen. I'm like, yeah, it's oh, cool. It's got a free okay. it's got the Free Talk Live logo on it. It's also a voice recorder. I'm not saying they don't offer AM tuners anymore. They don't offer them unfortunately in MP3 players. I wish the manufacturers would get with it and, and offer that as an option. But anyway, it's pretty cool. Uh, so it's like the F. It's like the Free Talk Live branded MP3 player voice recorder multi gadget thing. That's awesome. Pretty cool. So you can be listening to tunes in your car. If you get pulled over by the government employee, you mm. can you can warn them and say, uh, "I hope you don't mind, Officer. I like to record all my conversations." It's not. Say, you know what? I don't know if I, I don't know if you should phrase it that way. Now, I'm not an expert <laughs> at doing this, but it would seem to me that what you should do is say, "Just to let you know, this conversation is being recorded." And then if he doesn't want his conversation to be recorded, he can just turn around and walk away. He can do that. <laughs> but you don't want to ask them for permission because, of course, they're going to say, I don't want to be recorded. I like that yeah. approach. Very All right. Forceful. So there you go. They're uh, not asking you for permission very damn often. Exactly so don't right. ask them for any. Uh, so there you go. Go to store.freetalklive.com. Place your pre-order for those items and uh, order some of the other stuff that we've got, like the uh, DVD Classic Archive collector sets and more. Once again, that is store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. It's Matt in Illinois on the amplifier line. Hey, Matt. Hi, guys. How are you doing tonight? Great. Hey, What's on your mind? Well, I got the answer to your road problems. How's that? Okay. A hover car. Well, you just the hover above the road? You don't have to pay for it? Well, if you bring out a hover car, you don't need roads no more. Yeah, well, I, there. you know what? Well, there are different want. companies that are working on that. They've been working on it for a few decades, and it's the really the FAA that's getting in the way of that more than anything else. Uh, we'd probably already have what you're describing were it not for the federal government. And, of course, you would have to have some sort of maintenance to make sure that scrub and brush and so on is all cleared out in certain areas. But uh, I'd for love landing. to see hovercars sure. around. That'd yeah. be great. No, no, no. He's talking about hovercraft, not flying automobiles. Are you talking about hovering or flying? He's talking about flying. How far off the ground? I'm not talking about that go way up into the air. I'm just talking about, you know, like in uh, the Star Wars. Yeah, technology uh, there. So you're talking like a two feet off the ground or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. The ones that they use for ferries. Well, I was talking about flying cars, which really we could have by now were it not for the FAA. I agree with that, too. I've read things about that, too. So, uh, like the Mueller Sky Car is one example. Uh, so, what uh, what else did you have on your mind? Fireworks. I was uh, uh, thinking about a story today um, with summer coming on. Well, actually, not summer yet, but uh, a lot of towns have their festivals and things during the summer. Mm-hmm. In my little town, we used to have a festival, and they had uh, fireworks every year. In one year, they ran out of money. They had fireworks. Oh. So... Everybody was a little upset, you know, when they were talking about raising taxes and things. But what somebody did, I, I'm not exactly sure who, is they started putting out jars at the local grocery store said, for this year's fireworks. Hmm. And people just started dropping money in there. Get out of here. People voluntarily separating themselves from their money to, to support something non-essential like <laughs> fireworks? You know, are you telling me that some people could go to the fireworks and they wouldn't have to pay, and other people would pay for them? I put in a couple of bucks myself, but um, 
I'm sure that there were people that went there that didn't put anything, and nobody yep. cared. You know, I'll bet you um, it, if there was some kind of shortfall between the money that they collected and what they needed to do the fireworks, I don't know what it cost, but I bet you it costs a lot of money to oh, have yeah. the... Oh, uh, yeah, those professional shows? Yeah, oh, the, yeah. The sure. Zamboni brothers come out there and uh, do their, <laughs> their stuff. It always seems to be a, a crew of Italian guys that specialize in it. I don't know why. Yeah. It seems to uh, sort of an ethnic thing. Yeah. Anyway, they come out and they do their, their gig. Well, you know, yeah. I would think that a, a a lawyer or a a doctor in town would Sponsor. probably make a a good deal of money just by sponsoring something like that. People Absolutely. would say, you know, that's who I want to go to when I have a problem. That's a great idea. You know, uh, I just got an invitation from my brother's Fourth of July fireworks thing, and uh, he and his wife put this thing on at their place up in. Uh, uh, a lake in uh, probably about uh, midpoint in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and it was just amazing. He he came out and goes, guard. I didn't know they were going to do that stuff. These guys, they, this is unbelievable. Wait, who put this together? My brother. Yeah, he's on the north part of a lake. He hired some guys to hired go hired these a guys. Fourth of July, there were like a hundred people at this party. They, what it cost was, him? I didn't ask, but it must have been a lot. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And every time I watched one of them go off, I'm like. Well, you know, that there... $50. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, that shows the, the achievement of my brother in his business, his law practice, yeah. of being able to do something. He's that wealthy. That, well, he and his wife have, have right. done very well, and uh, and it's just terrific to see. It's really remarkable to, to say, you know, that sort of work in a semi-capitalist society can allow somebody to do something like this just on his own, and it was just... Um, it was. It wasn't. You know, like oh, we're setting off a few Roman candles. I mean, this, this was, was a big deal. Crazy action. Awesome. It awesome. Was wild. Matt, uh, did you have any other thoughts? No, that was it. I just thought you'd be interested in that story. Great. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for Matt. the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, fireworks is a great issue um, because it's going to be coming soon. Fourth of July, of course. Uh, that. I don't know why I'm even saying that. It's just because it's indoctrinated into me. You'll hear me on the on this one, um, Gardner. Uh, is that. It's a pet peeve of mine that people call the 4th of July the 4th of July. July. It's yeah, Independence. Independence Day. Yeah. Uh, and it's just amazing how widespread the uh, essentially the, the misnaming of that has become. It's Independence Day, and we're celebrating being independent from the big government of England. Yeah. But now, whenever it's a politician talking on television, whenever it's a newsman talking on television, whenever you see, whenever you see July 4th referenced anywhere, it is n- almost never... Almost never called Independence Day. Yeah, they, I mean, they even abbreviate it to just Happy Fourth in the graphics on TV. Yep. With you know, yeah, you're it's meaningless. Right. Yeah, and it's totally in meaningless. many states, it's even less than meaningless. Uh, it, there are bans and prohibitions against sending off fireworks. I remember, I think it was last year, there was a story. You probably know better than I do. There's a story that usually comes out of Boston or or somewhere in Massachusetts where the Massachusetts politicians are getting all upset because. Massachusetts residents drive up to New Hampshire and uh, visit and patronize the various different fireworks stores here in New Hampshire, load up their trunk full of what are illegal fireworks in Massachusetts, and then are smuggling them back Mm. into the state. Yeah. And it's just an incredible story. They have state uh, troopers. They have Massachusetts state troopers that will go and hang out hidden behind other buildings across the street from some of these establishments Mm -hmm. in New Hampshire and they'll watch with binoculars and write down or call in the license plate numbers so that guys over the border will be able to nail these guys or they'll just follow them. Yep. Yeah, and and people Sick. are like we're getting harassed. It's unbelievable. Pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> Real it's nice. incredible. You know, you got to get that. Got to get in the meantime, you got, you know, Boston murders going on all over the place. Mm-hmm. They have to have the the uh the guardian angels are coming up from New York. 
to try to ride the subway systems and walk around Dorchester. And, you know, during the hazy days of summer when it starts getting hot, they'll be sending up state troopers and things like that, Massachusetts police officers, to try to get people from, you know, lighting off firecrackers. I wonder if the new configuration of the, the state house and Senate will have any sort of effect on uh, on Independence Day. I wonder if there will be any uh, laws proposed, because yeah. we don't want little Johnny to blow his fingers off. <laughs> oh, man. It's incredible. So, I, I, I shudder to think what they might do to, uh, you know, keep us safe, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's not going to be good. The the government shouldn't be in the uh, business of setting off the fireworks in the first place. But they, children could hurt themselves. Yeah, well, they need protection. Yeah. They could hurt themselves in lots of ways, and they will. <laughs> like, Count on it. It's one thing you could be guaranteed of. You know, you know what's very interesting is uh, sometimes you'll get something that starts privately as a private tradition, mm-hmm. and then when that individual who dies, perhaps years later, uh, has passed away sentimentally for some reason in a locality they'll start doing something in honor of this person which runs completely contrary to what the person originally intended yeah you know fireworks is a great example private fireworks people have done this in certain towns and then people say let's let's get the town to back this up we'll name it after this guy in honor of him it's like no he did it himself in his own land 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number you take control of the airwaves and if you ban fireworks then you're just going to have kids trying to build their own. That sounds dangerous <laughs> to me. Hour three's coming up. You can take control. Bring up anything. Got to talk about that other Supreme Court case. Oh, yeah. Your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1-800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line, and this is Free Talk Live. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. Once again, freetalklive.com. We'll start things out by going to the phone calls. I believe it's Brent in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Guard and Mark. Brent? Brent in Minnesota. Is this Brent or is this uh, Jack? I'm not sure who this is, but there's somebody there. Okay. Next. He's maybe, up. Maybe he's up. Whoever it is, say hi because you're about to run out of your opportunities. Well, bring All him right, back. See you later. 800-259-9231. It's sad, too, because I, I had had him on since last hour and I missed missed seeing his call as oh. he came in. So he's well, being very patient. Maybe he fell asleep. Yeah. 800-259-9231. <laughs> uh, all right. So Supreme Court case number two. Uh, and then we'll get to an interesting email that both Mark and I received today. But, Guard, what uh, what else happened in the Supreme Court that we need to know uh, about? This one speaks so closely to my heart, Ian. Uh, this one, headline from the Associated Press. Supreme Court <laughs> won't take up Guantanamo prisoners. Is that your 1930s news guy voice? <laughs> yes. Let's go to the newsreel footage. The Supreme Court rejected an appeal Monday from Guantanamo detainees who want to challenge their five-year-long confinement in court. Can you imagine that? Being held without any sort of charges <laughs> for five years. They want to challenge it. Oh, man, this is just unbelievable. It says here, according to the AP, it was a victory for the Bush administration's legal strategy in its fight against terrorism. Here's a little more detail. Yeah, their victory um, against freedom. Oh, man. Well, you know, and this is interesting because people are going to say, but those guys, they're accused terrorists. You're wearing your heart on your sleeve for these people. It's like, look, 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 there's there's more to this. Even if you don't want to think that someone is innocent until proven guilty, yeah. 
There's more to this that could pertain to you and your freedom, and we'll tell you about why. The victory may be only temporary, according to the AP. The high court twice previously has extended legal protections to prisoners at the U.S. naval base in Cuba. These individuals were seized as potential terrorists following the September 11, 2001 attacks, and only 10 have been charged with a crime. And just to let you know, the first case was the Hamdi case. The second case was the Hamdan case. Mm -hmm. The Hamdan case is the one that really has the most pertinence right now. Uh, Hamdi was, uh, we'll tell you about that one later, but... Uh, despite the earlier rulings, none of the roughly 385 detainees has yet had a hearing in a civilian court challenging his detention because the administration has moved aggressively to limit the legal rights of prisoners it has labeled as enemy combatants. Mm -hmm. A federal appeals court in Washington in February upheld a key provision of a law enacted, yes, last year. And boy, I was talking about this a lot on my show and... You can find it over at the Liberty Conspiracy if you, Conspiracy if you want to go into the uh, into the archives. We've got it all there, all about uh, this whole situation. The, the Military Commissions Act? Uh, yeah, yes, exactly, the Military Commissions Act. And that was an answer, and I guess maybe we should give you the backgrounder now on this. Um, that was an answer to the Hamden ruling last year. Now, just to give people some, some background on this, what happened was... Um, the ruling goes back to events just prior to the U.S. invasion of Iraq. And I wrote some notes down here. Uh, White House counsel at that time was Alberto Gonzalez. And he approached Congress and asked them to do something that is not allowed under the U.S. Constitution, which was to use the military, to allow the president to use the military without declaring war. Okay. And uh, the reason Gonzalez it and Bush... It hasn't been allowed. It's not allowed under the Constitution, but right. you can always use the excuse of, well, we've done it before. Yes. Lots of times. Yes, we've done right. it before. Hey, everybody does it this way now. You know, we exigencies mean we've got to move fast. It's necessary. So we can't amend the Constitution. Right. So anyway, and, the and reason... people say that Congress is, uh, you know, uh, allowing the use of force is yeah. the same thing as declaring war. Well, then no. why didn't they just declare exactly. war? Exactly. Precisely. That's exactly it. And the Constitution this is the pretty reason. clear. You've got to declare war. Right. And this so is don't just, you know, the reason, or uh, allow violence. This is the reason that they did, they did not want them to declare war. They asked Congress not to declare war, and anybody with a brain knew why. Because if they had had a formal declaration of war... All enemies, uniformed and non-uniformed, who are captured during wartime in inside any signatory state to Common Article 3 of the Geneva Accords, oh. whether they are in uniform or not, must be afforded the protections of the Geneva Accords. Wow, you know, I never made that connection before. I always thought they were just being lazy no. uh, scumbags yeah, you by got not it, declaring man. war. There was, actual, there was an actual purpose to not exactly, declare war. Exactly, because they knew that they wanted this to be able to go on, and they wanted to be able to extract information from these guys without mm. having to conform to the Geneva Accords. So going all the way back we to We all know how good that information is. I mean, torture information gleaned under torture is virtually useless. It's it's amazing. And it, this is so transparent. And, you know, I think I'm going to mention to you, I, I placed a call into Sean Hannity's show one time because he was he was talking about how, oh, you know, uh, these Democrats, blah, 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 they're so hypocritical. They allow us to go into war, blah, 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 and now they want to defund it. So I called him up. I was like, you know, I understand you're talking about hypocrisy and so on, but we're not at war. And then he says, well, that depends on, on how you define going to war. I'm like, no, it's a declaration <laughs> the of constitution. war. Yeah, it is very clear in the Constitution. So here's the rest of this thing. Um, now, what that did was 
if essentially Common Article Three sets certain standards for the treatment of prisoners of war. Right. So um, anybody like familiar not with this? Them. Right. Right. <laughs> now the Hamdan case comes along. And that's this guy, um, his name is Salim Ahmed Hamdan. He was the driver for Osama bin Laden, and the case was called Hamdan v. Rumsfeld. And what happened was, in the Hamdan v. Rumsfeld case, Hamdan, a foreigner, said, you either have to try me as a prisoner of war or under U.S. criminal code for terrorists. Okay. The Cato Institute filed a brief on his behalf, now, people can say, oh, that's terrible. Look what the Cato Institute is doing. It's like, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. There's an abstract principle being upheld here. And that ab- abstract principle applies to you guys, right. even when you're Americans. Because what they did was they took Hamden. They said, you are an enemy combatant. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. going to hold you. And he said, okay, if you're going to hold me, then you have to give me a habeas corpus trial, a hearing. Uh, essentially, show me the evidence against me. Now, the Bush administration at that time said, no, we don't want to give these guys habeas corpus hearings because if we do, we could reveal information about how we got some of this this data on them, and that could put CIA agents in danger and so on. Yeah, so you know, I sort of understand their rationale because they want to protect some of these agents and so on in a practical way, but on principle, it's wrong. And so what what happened with Hamden was the Supreme Court ruled, and they said, you have to provide this guy either a habeas corpus hearing under U.S. criminal code, and you're going to try him as a terrorist, or you are going to try him as a prisoner of war in a military court. As your own laws say you're supposed to. Right. But here's the thing. The first thing that happened was just after his his uh, case was accepted by the Supreme Court, last year the Congress passed a law to say no further enemy combatants can bring cases to the federal <laughs> courts because Congress has jurisdiction over the federal, yeah. federal courts. So they can say which cases will go in and which ones won't. For example, they passed a law a while ago that would not allow um, liability trials against gun manufacturers mm-hmm. to go into the federal courts. They said, no, uh-uh, not going to allow that. Right. right. So they're doing the same thing here for people who Humden want to... turned s- the heat up and they said, whoa! Exactly. They said, anybody after you, it's not going to happen. So that's what today's ruling was about. Somebody appealed that and the Supreme Court said, nope, Congress has authority they can do it if they want to. If they want to exclude you people from habeas corpus hearings, they can do it. But in addition to that, they came out with the military tribunals law that that, that you mentioned military last time. Commissions military Act commissions, military commissions, right? Which legalized all of the terrible Bush things they've been doing. Exactly, all of the, uh, labeling people enemy combatants, the torture, and they didn't call it that, of course. Uh, the, the 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 torture and the throwing people into military brigs with no trials. All of the things they'd gotten, they had done, and almost gotten away with. Right now. Now they can get away with because it's legal, so-called. Yes, yes, exactly. So they passed the military commissions law. And the amazing thing about that is, just as a person who likes honesty and fair play from people, is two years ago, twice, Donald Rumsfeld was asked and answered. They said, are you, a, are you a, treating these people under the Geneva Accords? At first they said, oh, we don't have any uh, CIA agents interrogating people in foreign countries, which is proven to be false. Right. Right. And then they said, oh, yes, we're treating them under the Geneva Accords. But then with the Hamden ruling, which says you either try them under Geneva Accords or you try them in U.S. courts, they said, oh, if we have to try them under the Geneva Accords and treat them that way, we can't get all the information we were getting before. 
Well, so they must have been lying. Exactly. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. So, again, this Supreme Court ruling just backing up the state, making things worse. Yeah. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. Vanguard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free. And uh, that does, by the way, include the Free Talk Live studio cam, now available at cam.freetalklive.com. Uh, there are there were like a hundred something viewers uh, earlier tonight. And that's not our all our listeners. Um, we've got uh, this Stick AM website that is kind of our service provider for the camera, and they put us on their front page apparently every Monday night. So all these random people that happen to be going to their website are now finding Free Talk Live. So actually having this cam through this service has resulted in more new more listeners, listeners, which is Great. cool. Um, so if you want to see the cam, just go to uh, cam.freetalklive.com. That is cam c a m freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. So, we're talking about this uh, Supreme Court case that essentially uh, there have been a couple of court cases recently, and this is yet another one in a string of a, of a few that have backed up the government, have backed up the Military Commissions Act of 2006. They've essentially said that essentially the courts have said, well, before this Military Commissions Act, we thought that you should have trials, but now that they've passed this law. Well, we can't do anything about it. Yeah, so, yeah. it's uh, amazing. You're screwed. And, and you know, uh, the, the thing that gets me about this is you, you listen to the – there are two things. You listen to these conservative talk radio hosts sometimes on TV or whatever, and they say, well, you know, you're just defending these people. They're not even in regular uniforms. And, of course, that's my generic. They have excuse after <laughs> excuse. And yeah. it's just amazing how Americans who normally would understand the Bill of Rights, they would understand the, the protections and the freedoms that we have here and the reasons that we have them, the reasons that you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty is because, well, you could get caught up under some uh, bizarre charges. And you, you could know, get caught in this, this situation. The thing that really ticks me off about this, if you're going to go out and speak to thousands of people in the media, you want to know at least, you want to have a semblance that you feel like you know what you're talking about. So you look up the Geneva Accords. You look up Common Article 3. You don't have to sit there and say, well, they're not even uniformed combatants, so they don't get the same protection that uniformed military officers get. Well, actually, if you read Common Article 3, they do. That's it. Done. If we're signatory to it and it doesn't conflict with the U.S. Constitution and we've ad- adopted it as as a treaty, boom, we we abide by it. And if you're and accusing we ex- them. Yeah, well, the other thing is we expect that other nations treat our soldiers the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the key. And, and, you and know, that, it's that's incredible. When, our, when other nations treat our soldiers poorly or other groups treat our so- soldiers poorly. It's an outrage. It is. It's outrageous. Yeah, people are, you know, it's amazing. I was just thinking about this today. People are like... You know, they're they're going to find out whether or not it's a breach of the Geneva Accords to actually put these prisoners, these 15 British prisoners, on videotape. It's like, well, um, excuse me, uh, did the British speak out against the United States trying people without habeas corpus, going against Common Article 3? 
I don't think so. So please, you know, let's not call the kettle black here. I'm not a fan of Iran, but that's definitely not an argument to bring up. What uh, what amazes me is the attitude of Americans. Whenever you bring, uh, apparently, when you bring the word terrorism into a discussion, the entire viewpoint on how this country should be shifts. Yeah. It used to be innocent until proven guilty. Now, as long as the the t- the word of uh, terrorism right. is hovering over somebody, then the attitude becomes. Well, these are the worst people in the world. This well, is what we've been told on the air before. But who are they, though? Well, we don't know. Right. But, but they're <laughs> the worst people terrorism? in the world. terrorism? They're the worst people because the government has said so at some point. Well, you know what's nice is now you too can be termed one of the worst people in the world by oh, the federal government. But that'll never happen to me. That'll never. Ha- that's what people say under in the new they military say- commissions act. But, but, but people can, in America can happen. They'll say, "Well, yeah, yeah but but that's only for the bad guys. Yeah. They'll only arrest right. the bad guys." Yeah, of yeah. course they will. Isn't that isn't that beautiful? And of course, like, we're going to know nobody's bad. ever been accused of something they didn't do before. Well, because we're going to know they're bad because they're going to have trial. No, no, they're not going to have trials. <laughs> that's right. They're just going to have to take their word have for military it. Military tribunals. We're going to have star them. chambers where there are secret trials where these people, who again could be your next door neighbor, could be your father, could be anybody, picked up as a so-called enemy combatant thrown in a military brig secretly, given a secret trial where he or she may not even be able to attend the trial, let alone even have a lawyer. All of it can be done in secret. They could be executed secretly, and uh, it's all completely legal. It's all legal. And, you know, one of the things to keep in mind here is if people want to distinguish things within this court ruling in the Supreme Court today on uh, the detainees in Guantanamo, they might say something to the effect of, well, you know, it, uh, it's okay for the Congress to be able to set up the rules about what cases are heard. So the, the, the Supreme Court ruled properly in this way. Sure, they can, they can rule that these, uh, these sorts of trials will be brought up in uh, military commissions set up by the federal government, by the executive branch. They can do that if they want to. It's like, okay, look, besides the fact that this sort of makes it a little bit fuzzy about whether or not Congress is ceding the power to another entity like we were discussing with the EPA and mm-hmm. things like that, um, let's say hypothetically that they allow for this new court to exist, that they, they say, okay, executive branch, go ahead and do it. You guys run it. Not the judiciary, but it'll be the executive right. branch, which is a complete blurring of the lines of the separation of powers. But the, the suspension of habeas corpus is constitutionally given the power to lift the writ of habeas corpus is only given to Congress. And they are allowing the executive branch to selectively lift habeas corpus. It was supposed to be something that would be a general provision at times of war or particular emergencies. Which we're not in. Right. Right. And and so one man elected to a position should not be given that power over 535 men. Now, I realize the 535 men are largely corrupt and bought, but... At the very least, we have a semblance of representation there. Yeah. 800-259-9231. You take control. Bring up anything. Let's go to Nick in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, hey Nick. Nick. What's on your mind? Um, well, it's something that a lot of your listeners have probably heard before, and I've even heard it before, but um, I wasn't completely sure how valid the numbers were. Um, in regards to the national debt, um, the U.S. Comptroller, I guess, just came out and confirmed the numbers. Um, a lot of skeptics have been floating at $50 trillion in national debt. Okay. So that's um, sort of outstanding These are the debt. unfunded liabilities right. for Medicare and Medicaid and that sort of thing? <laughs> um, Social Security? Yeah, it includes that, but he says it's growing by about 3 to $4 trillion a year. Wow. Well, it um, would be at that, um, at that rate. Yeah. And his his proposed solution was to... Um, he didn't 
say it precisely, but essentially we'd have to have health care reform and um, reform Social Security, which would probably mean doing away with it. Yeah, well, nobody's going to suggest that. No one in government is ever going to suggest uh, doing away with Social Security. It doesn't matter whether they suggest it or not. Social Security isn't going to be there when Nick and I are uh, retiring. Just It's just not going to be there. That's I don't true. care what the politicians say, what they do, what kind of three-card Monty that... they play. They can't take this Ponzi scheme and stretch it There's out no any way. longer. It's they've good, jilted yeah. the American people to, as far as they can jilt them, and they've screwed and, and fin- finger-effed the books that. long enough. It goes further than that. I think you're right. that so- Everybody's always said that Social Security isn't going to make it. And, Nick, thank you for the call. Everyone's always said that Social Security isn't going to make it, but I don't think the government's going to make it long enough. I mean, with the, these unfunded liabilities, these trillions and thri- trillions of go? dollars, well, look at other governments that have crashed and burned in they the past. They're not going to crash because of debt. They're just going to say, we're not paying. Um, there are other reasons why they're going to crash and burn. I think that they're going to go before Social Security even has a chance to go. More Maybe. on the way. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, packet8.net toll-free line. For you, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system awaits you with over... 200,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting. It's a lot of fun, and it's free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. The Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to talk with New Hampshire natives and those who've made the move and attend leadership and activist training seminars. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C. F-E-S-T dot C-O-M. Porkfest dot com. I don't think you have to actually spell the C-O-M part, but anyway, Porkfest. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you do it your way, I'll do it mine, pal. <laughs> 800-259-9231 to Brent in Kansas City. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gardner and Mark. Hello. Hey, Brent. What's on your mind? Hey, Brent. Well, uh, I had originally called about the drunk driving um, topic, but I wanted I had a real quick comment about your uh, ideas for funding roads, I mean, I think you're thinking about them um, too in depth. I think that just naming the road, like if you named I-70, which is the major interstate from Denver to New York, the Walmart superhighway, um, that would be the best advertising dollars wow. that Walmart could spend. Yeah. Just upkeeping yeah. that. Just, you know, how do you get to Kansas City? Oh, you go west on Walmart superhighway. That's a great idea. You know, oh, you go north past Walmart superhighway and then you take a right. You know, That's just, awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, you all know that repetition that just, that is constantly there in the back of your mind is the best kind of advertising. Absolutely. You know, when you're driving on a Walmart superhighway. And that's just what it's called. It's not I-70 sponsored by Walmart. It's the Walmart Highway. Right. You're going to be thinking somewhere in your mind, driving on Walmart Highway. Excellent yeah. idea. Excellent. I like that. I think it's brilliant. Really good. Yeah. Very good. What else do you have on your mind? Well, I want to talk about drunk driving and why, truthfully, I don't think it's as bad as it's cracked up to be. Okay. Um, not even close, really. Um, you know, this originally, you know, everybody's always telling you how horrible drunk driving is. And it's irresponsible. It's not a good idea, but on the other hand, I just got out of college, and I've probably been personal witness, or I know personally people who have driven in, in total, probably thousands of trips while 
probably technically over the legal limit, mm-hmm. and we're just fine, basically. Um, you know, I were you in the car? I mean, how do you know they were fine? Say what? Were you in the vehicle at the time? How do you know that these people no, I were mean, fine? I know, I know that they didn't hurt anyone. They got from the place they were going to the place they, or from the place they came from to the place they were going safely. Okay. Without hurting anybody, without doing any damage to anything. I know of all of these trips. I know of two people who have actually done who have who have done something while they were drunk that that would be considered you know property damage is the only thing. One guy hit a telephone pole on an icy road, <laughs> going like five miles an hour basically because it was icy. Hey, uh, my wife and did that on January first, and she wasn't drunk. Into a bumper. Say what? I said my wife did that on January first, and she wasn't drunk. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, um, and and so you know. Uh, through this, you know, I was thinking about this, and so I got on the internet, and because you all were talking about this the other show, and I was doing a little searching around, I found out there's actually an organization of people like myself that don't think it's so bad, which I thought was wow, it's, wild. Uh, it's um, D A M M. I'll tell you, it's not a popular, th- uh, tr- it's not a popular <laughs> thing to think. I'll tell you that yeah, much. It's, so it's the opposite of M A D D, Mothers yeah, Against Drunk Drivers. Against Mad mo- Mothers is what they're what they're <laughs> called. But um, and so I, you know, you look on their site, and there's some really interesting stuff about how. You know, you always hear the statistic about 41% of accidents in the country are caused by drunk drivers. Well, the, the, the way they come up with that math is just any accident where anyone has any measurable amount of alcohol in their blood and it's measured is counted as an alcohol-related accident. Uh, so if you're point zero, you're sitting in a line of 15 people, yeah. and one of those people has a measurable amount of alcohol, not over the legal limit, anything like that, just a measurable amount of alcohol and a semi-truck, plows over all 15 of those cars, killing everybody, you know, 20 people dead. Well, 20 people just died in an alcohol-related accident. Even though the, even though the semi-guy was on speed at the time. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. Um, you know, and they count all of this into those statistics. And mm, so, I mean, figures. just these, you know, and for instance, if you hit a drunk person cross, who is crossing the street and you're sober, that's an alcohol-related accident. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, he, um, you, you know, wouldn't have hit him if he wasn't crossing the street. <laughs> Yeah. You know, wow. I mean, just Interesting. part of these things are that, you know, the the real estimates are of more responsible reporting agents. Of course, it's basically impossible to get an accurate estimate because the government kind of takes over these things. Mm. Um, and, you know, well, we estimate this and this. But, you know, the, the motivation behind, behind their estimates is to gain more power. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. More so those are what their, their estimates are designed to do. And so you just got to keep that in mind. I mean, like I said, you know, I've... I've known, you know, in, in the entire number of people, and this has got to be thousands of people, of people that people I know know, if that makes sense. I know of two people who have been hurt in drunk driving accidents. You know, how many times, how many times uh, when, a, when a drunk driving accident occurs and involves another person's property or life, how many times is the drunk who is at, uh, responsible, presuming they live through it, and they usually do, uh, how many times do they have to pay restitution? Does Not, anybody actually that's, know? That's the other thing. I mean, I think that... You know, all this hysteria aside, you know, even if that those numbers were true, the, the system we have doesn't really do anything. I don't. I mean, it really doesn't do something to prevent drunk driving. And it, as do, much it doesn't. It just makes people who are drunk while they're driving try to pretend to be sober. Right. And it doesn't you know, do it, anything it, to uh, to compensate the victims. And Brent, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. At eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, the packet. I would think that the insurance companies do some compensating. 
Yeah, well, you get your car paid for, but you don't get anything for the loss of the life. The insurance company is not going to pay out a million dollars because your little girl died in a, you know, a drunken driving They may driving very well. Accident. I don't know. No, there's no such insurance well, like that. You have to buy it. Yeah, you know, sometimes people will bring civil suits, you know, like the, with the O.J. Simpson uh, case, and they'll they'll ask for damages and, and mental wrongful suffering death. and things like that, wrongful death suits. Yeah, um, and uh, but it's not a standard thing. It's not a standard thing where. You know, uh, Joe's driving home. He hits somebody. Their daughter dies in the car that he hit. He's got to pay for the DUI damage, and all. he's got to pay for you know his insurance company might cover some damage. Uh, he might pay for some damage, but he's not really actually going to be held responsible for the loss of that life. In that he's not going to be, um, to compensate that family for years on after that. And you know what's interesting? And I think about that, that might might if that were to happen, yeah. that might be a bit of a deterrent. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it, what fascinates me about it, it is that, uh, again, you know, the, the government trying to come up with some sort of a cipher that equals what the what the market could do. Um, the they've done tons of tests on at what point do you become impaired, at what alcohol level do you become impaired, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And originally that was point zero whatever, and then they decreased it. You know, they said, oh, you can even have less and you'll still be impaired. And you say to yourself, as he's as he brought up. Um, you know, you say, okay, well, look, there are a lot of different ways to be impaired. Uh, you sure. can have impaired driving because you have too many people in the car. You can have impaired driving because there's a, you're a guy and there's a girl in a bikini walking Driving while tired. Yeah, driving while tired, you know. I'll and, tell you, I'm um, impaired when I uh, see an, uh, an attractive woman walking along the side of the road. Absolutely. I'm driving with my girlfriend and I'm looking next at her all the time instead of looking at the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm keeping eye contact with but her sometimes. But you're not going to get a DUI for that. No, I won't. And, and, and... You know, if I did get pulled over, it's possible that I could have gotten reckless driving or something like that, but it's highly unlikely. And there's no physical test on that sort of thing to provide some sort of evidence in court, so it's a little more difficult. So uh, these are all, I think, uh, great examples of why you don't want the government to have a one-size-fits-all situation for everybody. Absolutely, but uh, government can't think up anything else. That's the way government operates, which is why we need to shift over to the market paradigm where market forces are setting the standards instead of arbitrary government bureaucrats. Absolutely. Uh, We've got an email here that is very interesting that uh, involves a relationship between one of our listeners and his girlfriend, and she's a little bit concerned because apparently he's interested in moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, understandably so. We've gotten him pretty excited about the whole idea, which is what we're supposed to do. It's our job. And, and she, it, it's something we believe strongly in. Yes. And she has some objections. And they're not just your standard objections either about why it is this guy can't move from his current area and move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. We're going to identify those objections here in a moment and uh, and look at look at look at them critically because she may have some legitimate concerns. I don't know about this. I'm not sure if they're legitimate or not. I want to hear how you feel about it, Mark. Uh, it's very interesting. More on the way. You can take control. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The girlfriend who doesn't want her boyfriend to move to New Hampshire and why. It has to do with a mental disorder and more. This is Free Talk Live. Wow. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll-free line. Only moments remain. It's Ian here with you. Vanguard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are totally free, that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. It's the place to go when you need to buy virtually anything. 
I mean it. There are 40 categories that you can shop from. You know, Amazon, the world's largest Internet superstore. Uh, you can go through our website at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and when you, when you enter through that portal, then anything you purchase, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. Awesome. So it's a great way to get the stuff you need delivered to your door and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. All right, we got an email in. And the subject, I don't know how I feel about this, and Mark, I'm interested to know how you feel as well. And of course, Gardner, you're here as well. But sure. uh, the, the, it starts out bad with a subject of, I guess the fate of our relationship rests in your hands. Yeah. Ooh, first of all, I don't think that anything that we can say or do is going to be, I mean, we're not going to affect your relationship. That's your decision and the decision of your partner, whatever that might be. She says... And we'll, she will remain, remain nameless. She says, let me start by saying I'm not a listener of your show. You shouldn't take offense to that because I'm not a podcast listener in general. My boyfriend, though, worships you two. For his anonymity, I'll call him Steve. Now, wait a second. This whole, um, first off, she goes in and uses, and she bolds the term worships as though it's true. Look, if your boyfriend thinks we're anything other than a couple of guys that believe in libertarianism and talk about it every night and therefore are pretty good at uh, the principles of it, you know, he's not he, – I've never met a listener, and, and it says that, that I have, mm-hmm. um, that in any way had to kiss my boot or offered me their wife and uh, for conjugal visits. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I think that she was true. writing that because he's a big-time listener right. and really is into the show. Uh, so, yes um, – Anyways, he says, Steve listens to you while working every day. He's been up to New Hampshire on vacation once and even met you. He's also one of your biggest contributors. Through listening to your show, he's convinced himself that he must move to New Hampshire. He's even convinced me to sign the first 1,000 pledge with him. And I actually asked her why she signed the first 1,000 pledge, and that's because she thought maybe at the time she could go. Now she realizes, apparently, according to her, that she can't. She says, and that's the crust, I think she means cruxed. Uh, that's the crust of my problem, guys. I desperately need your help here. I understand your mission, and it's noble. But if Steve goes through with this move, it'll be the end of us. He wants me to move with him, and that's just impossible for me. I'm tied to too many things in St. Louis. It used to be that he had nothing to lose by moving to New Hampshire, but things have changed for him over the past couple of years. He comments on the state of his life being very good right now, and that he couldn't ask for anything more other than to be living in New Hampshire. But that would be the worst mistake for him right now. He was recently diagnosed with a particular mental disorder and sees a therapist on a monthly basis. At this early stage of his diagnosis, he and his doctor are still working to find the right combinations and doses of his medicine to regulate his moods and behavior. So I'm concerned for his mental well-being if he doesn't stay here. Well, there's more to her critique, her critique but he signed the first 1,000 pledge, which means that he'll be moving within the next, uh, two, within the next year and a half, by the end of 2008. If his doctor can't diagnose him by the end of 2008, maybe I just don't understand the nature of this particular disease, but wouldn't you think that by then he'd have his regiment set out? Well, I would and also aren't there th- doctors in New Hampshire? Uh, yeah, there's there's doctors in New Hampshire and uh, you know, I'm not so sure. You know, basically what you have here is is somebody who's coming uh, if you want to deal with that issue, there are plenty of doctors here. He's seeing the uh, uh the, the doctor, the psychiatrist once a month. Once a month. 
This is not a huge mental disorder that he can't function with. In it, um, in the email, she goes on to talk about she how she makes it seem. She makes it sound like this guy can't function, and I don't think I was supposed to mention St. Louis, but oh well. She um, uh, she talks about in the e- email he's got a great job that he's got right now that, um, but he doesn't have a four year education. She's very concerned about him getting another job, that kind of thing. Right. He says he thinks he can support himself by working in fast food or some other low wage job. He wouldn't be able to get an apartment on his own here, where the cost of living is much lower than New Hampshire. Well, I think. It depends on where you live in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. There are a lot of uh, low-cost areas, and even the higher-cost areas, compared to where we come from, aren't so bad. Uh, if he were working in fast food, she says. Steve is also very close to his father, who recently had a pacemaker put in. If he moves hundreds of miles away and something happens, God forbid, to his dad, I know he'd never forgive himself. And his above-mentioned condition, I'm afraid of what he might do to himself. Uh, okay, my dad has a pacemaker in, and I moved away from Florida. Um, you know, you, you've got to separate yourself from your family if what it is that you want in life is is somewhere else. And yeah. if what you want in life is to be part of the Free State Project and to move to New Hampshire, then if that means leaving your dad who's got a pacemaker in where he lives, then okay, that's what you've got to do. If dad wants to come to New Hampshire to be closer to you, then that's your dad's business. Otherwise, it's your dad's choice to stay where he is. Now, uh, question, uh, the, the author of this letter, I, I get the feeling that she just wants him to wait before he comes out. That, that, that she doesn't think that he should not go out. She's but. making it sound like uh, if he goes, the relationship's over. She's saying she can't move. She feels like she has too many ties to the city where she lives. She can't move. Of course, anybody, if they really wanted to bad enough, could cut those ties and move. Absolutely. But uh, it's clear to her that her current situation is more important than her relationship. And she she tries to say that she really cares about this guy, and I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that she really cares about him. It's just that I question um, I question where she's coming from because it almost sounds like, and you'll see here in a minute, it almost sounds like she thinks he's like a little boy and that he can't take care of himself. Now, this, right? See, now this that's the thing. This guy managed to make it. Um, you know, she says that he didn't live uh, outside of his uh, family's home, but he, somehow he managed to make it for the uh, period of time before he met her, and and that's really not quite. Fair. And I think to some extent um, she's being drawn into the dramatic. Um, she says that he worships us. Obviously, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he can't possibly make it with his mental disorder. Um, and I'm sure he can. Now, there I'm sure are there are plenty of people there, with this disorder. There, that there, there are plenty of people out there with this disorder that couldn't make it, too. But he's got a really good paying job. He doesn't have this disorder and go once a month um, and have a really good paying job. It's not it's not a big deal yeah, in it his sounds, life. It sounds to me practically what he's going to have to do. If he wants to come out, they're going to have to talk about this. If he's going to take the chance to come out, he just has to make sure that he has things lined up financially and medically. Sure. That he can take care of himself while he's out here so that he can work and he doesn't lose a job for emotional stress reasons or anything like that. And the rest will work itself out if she wants to come. Right. She says, see, that's that's it. Um is you know, for whatever reason she says she can't she can't possibly go. Um and it it seems I, I don't I, I sympathize. That, I sympathize with her. I know that she wants her, her life the way it is and she doesn't want to have to change Changes it. And she found difficult. this great guy and she really digs him. But this great and one of the re- things you like about this great guy is his principles. The things that he wants to have in his life that he stands for. 
and that guy won't exist if you break him on this issue. She says he's never lived on his own. He was living at home when I met him where his mother took care of everything for him. Now, he and I have gotten a new loft apartment in the heart of downtown, and I take care of everything for him. To move away from everything and everyone he knows will be more difficult than most. I don't see why it would be any more difficult for him than it has been for any of the other hundreds of people that have made the move. There have been people, there are people all around the world that move all of the time, and yes, many of them are moving away from areas where they've got a lot of roots, where they have a lot of friends, where they have a lot of family members. The fact is, people can do this. Mark, it was hard for you leaving your friends and right. family behind, you know, let me, but you've, you've let me tell adjusted. You, I'm sure every somebody in my life will call me crazy, because somebody in your life will call you crazy. Somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've my had mother, a, like, I've fact. had a psychiatrist that, will, that uh, would tell me that I have ADHD. He gave me medication for it, so I've got that um, corresponding thing. I sold two houses, okay? I sold one, two, I had two cars. I sold two houses. cars. I had four cars. You know, I've still got a, well, I didn't guess I didn't sell one of the houses. I still have a house back in Florida. I have a lot of ties. My, my family, such that it is, my mother lives in Sarasota, Florida. I moved away from her. She can come up and visit half the year or the full year or whatever she wants to do. She can come up here. But to say that there's two, and I left a job that was paying me $80,000 a year or so um, for you know, selling advertising, mm. you can't tell me, and I don't have a four-year degree, and I'm an ex-convict, okay? Yeah, you you can't it. tell me that this guy can't make it up here. Oh, but Mark, if he moves Look, to New Hampshire... Wait, wait a second. I, I'm not done yet. Now, think for a second. Um, the, the Free State Project says that it's the second American Revolution, and I really, really, really do believe that it is, and I want you to think for a second. If, if Abigail Adams had said to John... John, I don't want you get, take it, getting that, that, that ride going down there to the Second Continental Con- Congress, and I don't want you getting mixed up with those crazies that your cousin Samuel's all messed up with. What if he you listened know, to what, her? If, yeah. you know, what would have happened if Abigail Adams had done that? That's well, Abigail Adams it. didn't do that. When the Revolutionary War came down, she mixed gunpowder. All right? If Steve and moves if to she New Hampshire... Loves, if she loves this guy enough and she loves him for his principles, she'll move for him. She says if he moves to New Hampshire, he'll be alone, only because you're going to leave him, sweetie. Uh, But also he won't be alone for very long because as soon as he arrives, uh, he posts a message on the NH3.com forum. There are going to be 20 people at least that will come out and help him move into his house. Guess what? He's going to meet those 20 people at that point. He's going to go to the next Free State Project meeting where there might be 70 people. Uh, All of these people looking for new friends, new people coming into the state at all times, looking for new people to meet with and hang out with. You're not going to be alone in the Free State Project, and if you're not alone, you're not going to be depressed, as she suggests he will be, and destitute. Well, if he can make it uh, where he currently is, he can make it in New Hampshire. The economy's great here. We'll be back tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.